Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, let's give everybody what they want. They've demanded, they've asked for, they've taken to Twitter and said, give us more Penguins talk. So that's what we will do to start today's show. The Penguins lose again in overtime. Uh, And there's Mike Sullivan last night in another clip we'll get to from today, seemingly giving his team a pat on the back for a moral victory. And I thought I was going to start with something else, but now that he's doubled down on that today with another quote that we're going to get to in a second, I feel compelled to want to talk to you guys about it and everybody else at 412-928-9370. I think the coach is a problem. I do. And it just, it's a, it's verboten, I guess, for some Penguins fans to get to that side, to get to that opinion because they cherish two Stanley Cups and they identify Sullivan with jump-starting that team and uh, replacing the uh, kind of erudite, Mike Johnston, who was very professorial as a coach and had no business being in the NHL. And that way, he was kind of like Matt Canada, where he was a fish out of water in professional sports. But my God, like, these are the Pittsburgh Penguins we're talking about, who just had the longest consecutive playoff streak in hockey history broken. You can make a reasonable argument, Chris, that they are the most successful team in the salary cap era. And I'm hearing the coach sound satisfied, content, complacent about things. We got beat on fluky goals. I'm I'm happy with how I'm disappointed, but I'm happy with how we played. I thought that that was one of the more tone deaf comments uh that he has made or tone deaf analyses that he has made. He's absolutely a problem. I mean at some point winning two cups has to morph into a 
what have you done for me lately? Even if it's, I know what you did in the past was terrific and unprecedented at the time, but what have you done for me lately? Fluky goals? What on earth is Eric Carlson, your big trade acquisition, doing on that goal that he basically had put in for him? How about the overtime goal? I know. Just, I'm, I'm still oh, thinking about the Carlson step goal. Step right in. Come on in. Just get as close what, as you I can mean, and rip one through. No, I understand that. That that play, believe it or not, that winning goal doesn't piss me off half as much as the Carlson goal or at the end of yet another power play. Let me give everybody a brief window into this. I wanted to, stupidly, as it turns out, catch the pit game right from the jump last night, It's a, which was its own problem. <laughs> um, even worse, actually. But I had to, you know, putting the kids to bed and what have you. And so I'm like about trailing 15 minutes to 20 minutes behind the game. So I'm trying to make up time, right? And I'm like, you know what? It's hockey. I twice the speed, I can see what's happening, and if I see something obviously wild happen, I can pause it and go back, right? Just to see if it's just hockey. So I see the Penguins on a power play, and I said, I'm going to really double down and fast forward through this crap because I know what's going to happen. They're not even going to put a shot on net practically. They didn't. And then you've got Bork. God bless him on the TV side of this, calling this out right away. Barzal's goal. What is Malkin doing? As a staunch Evgeny Malkin defender, what the hell is he doing? I'm going to go off for a change after it looks like he sees a puck that is very much not settled yep. and not in the Penguins' possession. He just turns his head and goes. And they're trying to execute a change while one of the fastest players in the NHL who has, for the entirety of his life, if you ask Penguins fans, what does Matt Barzell do well? They say score shorthanded goals or come out of the penalty box and be terrifying, right? What's he doing? Going right down the ice to score a goal and you've got the head coach who's supposed to be the guy getting through to these people sending messages to these people saying I liked our compete level get the hell out of here with that man we're long past that start cracking the damn whip start calling guys out by name why is that there's the voting for I, him I, I, there's got to be some happy medium between why do they what, deserve a happy medium well, right now I'm, Pony? I'm just saying if he does it it's it's odd because he coached under Tortorella, who has no issue whatsoever using press conferences to rip into players. Sullivan doesn't seem to want to do that. Like, you have last night, and then obviously the all-time example is the Tarian uh, rant. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's just say that's not in Mike Sullivan's DNA. You've got to find a third bowl of porridge with this, man. There's got to be some, there's got to be some uh, understanding that we didn't suck up the room last night, but we've got to win these games. And there's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's resting on your laurels. He sounds behavior. like a, he sounds like a coach. Actually, he sounds like a coach talking to or about a team that's young guys. The core is all in their early twenties. Like think about the 06, 07 Penguins, the team that got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, but they were figuring out how to start winning hockey games that season. He sounds like he's talking about a team that's fighting for the playoffs that's very well, young. Not a team that has literally been there, done that I, three times in the cap era. I hold the Penguins and the Steelers to the same standard, which is a championship standard. That's how they view themselves as flag bearer franchises in their respective sports, okay? If that's how they're going to view themselves, that's how I'm going to treat them. But, like, what we're hearing from the coach and the way, they, the way he's rationalizing the results – my God, like, I murder Tomlin for allowing for this slipping of standards and acceptance of mediocrity to seep into the organization. That's what this coach is doing. So murder him for it, too, then. I am. That's why I'm starting the show with this. 
But the difference is when Should I Should he keep his job right no, now? No, I've said that. It's off the table for them because of the extension they gave him. But it's just I I don't get it. If I if the steel I know it's 17 games versus 82, but we're getting clo- it's getting dark early as Yogi Berra once said. If if the if the Steelers lost a game like this, a pivotal important game at home in overtime, and their coach and Tomlin came out afterwards and started talking about the things he liked in the game. All I would need to do is turn on that microphone and say, 412-928-9370, let me hear it. Give it to me. Like, let me, let, let's air your grievances over the next four hours. Whatever you want to say about this guy, it's open season, it's on the table. But there's just not that with Sullivan. There's not. I rattle some cages, I say things like this. You seem to agree with me because you're a pretty smart guy. I'm pretty sure Donnie agrees with me too. But other than that, sometimes when I hear these things, the way they play, and then what Sullivan says, I think he's not the right coach for them anymore. But it seems to go one ear and out the other. I think Penguins fans have for a very long time, because they are a very diehard group who takes personally this idea that when they really sucked, no one cared about them. As a collective entity, and it doesn't speak for everyone, but I'm saying for you know, maybe a majority of, of Penguins fans, at least the ones we hear from, a guy only deserves to get fired or sucks when they collectively decide that he does. And for whatever reason, people writ large do not seem to be at that point with Mike Sullivan yet. What he, is it going to take? They had I don't a must-win game at the end of the regular season against one of the worst teams I, in the sport. Pony, if last year didn't do it, I don't know what would. ass in that game, man. How about they the, uh, sucked. How about the bubble series against the Canadiens? I mean, if it hasn't happened yet, it's probably not going to happen. Crosby starts playing badly, and then everyone decides to blow it up and start new. More importantly, we also get on Art Rooney and say, why is he so complacent? I probably do that a little bit more than you do. He seems to be the, the bigger target of my venom. What's Fenway Sports Group doing? Oh, they like Mike Sullivan. They gave him a new deal. He's a Boston guy. They're Boston guys. Who gives a rat's ass? I'm waiting for it, one of the people from Fenway Sports Group to rip off their suit and tie right. and reveal Brad and, and, Marchand and, 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 jersey. And again, it's a double standard. Mike Tomlin, nationally, he's a great coach. Our response, we don't care. What have you done for us lately? We haven't won a playoff game in seven years. I happen to think we're right and they're more wrong. So what do I get told the same thing about Sullivan? One of the most respected, revered coaches in the game. One of the great coaches. Only American coach with two Stanley Cups. One of only 19 coaches with multiple Stanley Cups. All true. But the same thing with Tomlin. All coaches run their course. There's an expiration date on everyone. And I just feel like I'm I'm watching this happen. It's clear as day to me. And no one else gets that or is willing to say that. Here's what also triggered this response for me. This just happened literally less than an hour ago over, I think they're in Cranberry today. This back and forth between a reporter and Sullivan, which drives me nuts. Your team has been involved in 23 uh, one-goal games this season. You've only managed to win seven of them. In a general way, how do you explain that your team has been so often on the wrong side of those one-goal games? I think it's easy when guys like yourself come in and point to one statistic and then try to draw conclusions from it. And what that lacks is context. Yeah, so for example, you could look at it in a way that the fact that we're in so many one-goal games, how many multiple-goal games did we create? Did we turn into one-goal games because we push back 
and got back in the hockey game and gave ourselves a chance to win. Think about that. That makes me – hold on. That makes me angrier than the thing we just played, and I knew you were going to play it, so I waited patiently. That pisses me off more. Hey, why aren't you giving us credit for fighting back when we're getting our asses kicked and turning these games into one-goal games? That is a microcosm. It's so stupid. Chris, that's a microcosm for what we ripped Tomlin for. I know. What do we rip Tomlin for? He he he, he dug his team a hole this season. And then season, he got out of it. And then he got out of it. Mike Sullivan thinks that he's pulling like a gotcha on the reporter there. He just makes himself look worse. He hung himself. He hanged himself. I think hung is the wrong word in this case. Correct. Hanged. You he hanged the right- himself. But, I mean, he thinks like, oh, 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 you think you're going to get me about one-goal losses. Think about all the one-goal losses that could have been four-goal losses. Who cares, Donnie, Mike? I mean, am I nuts here for getting on this guy the way that I am? I know It's very frustrating. I, I heard you talk a little hockey last night. I mean, am I, am I off here? No, I mean, I think it's something that we, we brought up last week, too. Like, it, it's, it's just to the point where the, you, you probably need to look into making a change. And it's not even far from, like, what was it last – Last Thursday or Friday, the anniversary of whenever they fired, fired uh, Tarion. So it's not even like it's too late in the season for that, and people don't need to think that. But, I mean, we, we do kind of go on a lot of the same lines that we talk about Mike Tomlin with and his shortcomings of the last seven-plus years. I mean, yeah, he won back-to-back cups. That's terrific. I know. He should always it's be. It's been seven years since they were really a, a team that people took seriously. He should always in the be appreciated as as a coach that got the Crosby team and core to two more. How many playoff series has he won? Greatness. How many playoff series has he won since the Nashville Cup series? One, one against Philly. One. Look, I'm not even making the argument because I think it's gonna like it's gonna flip a switch and they're gonna win. I'm just saying with 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 these comments, the way they played to this point this year, the way they played last year, just. Every, same thing with Canada being, in a way, like a shield for Tomlin for some people. Last year, Sullivan's alibi was, well, it's the GM's fault. It's Hextall's fault. He's the idiot. He's the nincompoop. He's the boob. He's the he's the moron. He's the problem, not me. Look at what – and, like, remember he started even giving some comments like, well, this is the hand I was dealt kind of thing, like yep. backhandedly throwing the GM under the bus? Well, what now? He's patting his team on the back when they need to win these games for fighting back and losing close games. Could have been a route, but we did get that cheapo point. Please pay no attention to the fact that, of course, we still got beat. I, He just seems to have lost the plot with his own team. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the phone number out there, 412-928-9370, on this Mike Sullivan take. And my guess is we'll get Jeff in South Park, our number two fan, because he's Penguins obsessed to call in, and that might be it. And obviously, we're disappointed we didn't get two, you know. Um, I try to look at it objectively and, and, you know, look at the process and, you know, and and, and give, the, the, give the players, uh, you know, a fair assessment of how the game was played, you know. You can't always control if the puck goes in the net or not. All you can control is your effort, your energy, uh, your intent, your compete level, uh, your execution level. And I thought... For a lot of the night, it was a pretty inspired effort. Hey, you guys tried hard. That's what we're getting from Mike Sullivan. This is like uh, youth soccer. Everybody gets a trophy on the team. Everybody gets their orange slices after the game. That's how he's coming off to me, and I'm ripping him, and maybe that's going to piss people off because he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion, and I should be more uh, respectful of someone that's brought us uh, two titles, but... We wouldn't give just, any other coach in town this courtesy. We, there's no way. Not saying we are. 
No other coach in town by the town writ large would be afforded this this courtesy, this opportunity to like basically just keep digging with that shovel until they hit bottom. Well, let's see if our listeners agree or disagree with us. Fan Hotlines presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider. You will hear Kyle Dubas later this hour. So stay tuned for that. He is talking right now, and Jeff is there. We will turn around those comments. Here is Bud to lead us off. Hello, Bud. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, man. Hey, uh, let me start off by saying I've been a season ticket holder since uh, back in the Civic Arena days. Nice. So I pretty much know bad hockey when I see it. Yes, you do. And uh, right now, I mean, uh, Sullivan's talking about a bounce here, a bounce there. Well, I was at the game last night. Two of the Penguin goals bounced off of Islander players and went in. So there's a couple of bounces that they got that uh, probably shouldn't have gone in. And uh, I just don't know whether that, that power play is so bad. I don't know whether it's the coaching or it's the players not listening to the coach. But either way, that's well, the coach. Let me issue. ask you this, Bud, because I, I get where you would come from on the power play and say I don't know if it's the coaching or them not listening. But if it's the players not listening, then by definition, the coach is not doing their job because their job is to get through to the players. I know I know. Like when I, I say that and you say, well, it's kind of not fair to the coach. If the players don't want to listen, they won't listen. But that's why guys get fired in the NHL so often. No, I agree 100% with you. It's a coach's issue either way. Either they're poorly coached or they're not listening to the coach. I agree with you 100%. Thanks, bud. I think Reardon's got a lot of substitute teacher vibes right now. To go back to something I wanted to say in our open, too, what baffles me so much to this day about the way Sullivan occasionally or, or often will get the kid glove treatment, we have this fan base specifically should be foaming at the mouth before any other to make a coaching change. Because it's resulted Every, in championships. Two out of their three modern you know, salary cap era cups have resulted, actually all three of them, if you, you give Sullivan both of those, obviously, it's because they moved on midstream from a guy who wasn't being listened to. And Bilesma was the winningest coach in franchise history when he got fired. It's just And they it's still crazy. didn't think the results were good enough. They moved on. They got the next coach wrong, but eventually they got Mike Sullivan. They're, they're, settling, in, they're settling into a Steelers level of complacency in this idea that we're the stagnant. Well, we're the Penguins. There's a certain level of brand cachet. We don't need to act the way we might have even acted in the past. Isn't it the same way people talk about the Steelers yes. under Dan Rooney? At some point, you cross that Rubicon, and maybe with them, it's the new ownership group, FSG, and they want to win, but they also think it's way more important to have this certain Penguins brand that they feel Mike Sullivan's an integral part of. Carl's next. Hello, Carl. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, I'm, I'm ready for some therapy here because – this coaching staff is driving me absolutely insane watching what's going on because this organization has always, and you guys have brought up this point in a, in a side way, is this organization has never been built around the foundation of a coaching staff. It's always been around the players. And for the first time, Sullivan seems to have run a PR game with this Boston company, and now you've got the situation where – He's running whatever he wants to run, and you've got a situation where they're not physical. They don't have any tough players. They absolutely you run out of the rink. There's no inspiration. Guys like Gino, who would get himself going with a little physical play, doesn't even want to because he probably hears it from Foley. So 
They're I also mean, sloppy, a, Carl. They're a very sloppy, undisciplined-looking team out there. They don't even play to his identity anymore. The identity of the Penguins, and he said it has always been about speed and skill. It was always just play. Well, you know, they're not capable because when he took over, those guys were all young enough in the core. I want to say for the record, I think Carl's initial point, it's always been a player-built organization, never about a coach and a philosophy, and now it is. I think that is 100% correct. Let's see if Don wants to chime in on that. Hello, Don. Hi, this is this is Don. Yeah, Don, you're on the you're air. You're on the air, Don. What's up? Hi. Uh, well, I I agree with you guys. I don't want to pour gasoline on the fire, but I why will not? Anyway. That's what we do. We do that yeah, when teams well, suck. Yeah, and coach talk radio was invented for that very Don. Thing, when Don. coaches are making people unhappy we want in people town, like you to bring gasoline. Yes, as much bring as that. You can. Bring that big metal red can of gas and throw it all over the fire. Then run in the other direction. <laughs> all right. Well, th- then I'll do that. I I think that uh, you know honestly I I always liked Sully. I thought he was a good coach. I think the players usually got the response that he was looking for. But I think since that Rangers series a couple years ago where he pretty much, and I say he because they had leads within games that entire series and they blew the series. Now, granted, he had a pizza boy for a, for a goalie. But, you know, he, he still had the series in hand, 3-1, to one, and they blew it. Well, he got the same treatment from fans that a lot of the Steelers apologists gave Tomlin for the year without Ben uh, when they had Duck and, and Rudolph. Yeah, we lost, but if we had a legitimate goaltender, we would have won, and I agree with that. The problem is they haven't done anything since. Well, the problem is that's just like one of so many playoff humiliations. Yeah, that one you can give him a pass. Louis Domingue lost them that series, yep. but I, I don't – you know what, though? They get Jari back in Game 7, and they have a lead, and they can't hold it. Let's see if Tyler Kennedy, Penguin Stanley Cup champion, agrees. He was on a team that fired a coach midseason. That turned out all right. Mr. Kennedy! Kennedy! All right, let's talk to Penguin Stanley Cup champion Tyler Kennedy. Trying to remember here. Last week, Donnie, do you remember the percentages Tyler gave us? Penguins to make the playoffs? Penguins to trade oh, Gensel. No. Starting yeah. this way. No, I'm just, I, I want to get an update here. Let's see if oh, Tyler changes mine. All right, yeah. I, I know him. Do we want to say him? I do yeah, remember. 60% to make the playoffs. I believe 40% to trade Gensel. Okay. I mean, he's allowed to change his mind this, after is one this week. Like I one said of those... before the season started, the Penguins would win the Stanley Cup. I mean, I'm Don, an idiot for Donnie, having that kind like of Donnie, is this like the faceless uh, animated character, the meme where he goes stonks, and it's just the arrow pointed down well, right now? So let's now. see if, if how much Tyler's faith is wavered, if at all. He joins us right now. Tyler, percentage the Penguins make the playoffs now today on February 21st. <laughs> you guys are starting off hot, eh? Coming right at the, me. We call this the Crowley method the on the show. The Adam, <laughs> We call this the Crowley. <laughs> Wasn't Crowley just off for a while? Yeah, he was on paternity leave. Yeah, I know. We all were hoping he was fired, but he actually was just taking care of his newborn. Yeah, I heard things are going downhill for him quick, too. That's what (laughs) I'm hearing. Yeah, he got very fat. He got very very big. Oh, man. A couple people out there saying I should mention it, but I'll keep it to myself. I'll take the high road today. Well, you're a pro. That's why. All right, so what percentage would you say now, Tyler? I was trying to dodge that question. Did you see that? You guys aren't letting me go. No, we're, um, we're dogging about it here. I would say trading Gensel, we're going probably 50% right now. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they're still pretty on the fence. It just seems like, you know, they're still hovering at like 50%. They win two, they lose one, win one. You know, we still don't know really what direction if they're going to make the playoffs, you know, like it's so tight. If they go on a four game win streak, like they're right back in the mix of, you know, in that playoff spot, they lose three games in a row. They're done. You know, that's it. That's all, you know, so it it can go either way real quick for the, the Penguins right now, and especially with the standings and who they're playing coming up. Tyler, what's your reaction to the way Mike Sullivan kind of himself reacted to that loss last night because Andrew and I have both been very fed up, frustrated today. It sounded like he was talking about a team that was young and learning how to win and in this kind of a playoff chase or situation for the first time, and it just had us scratching our heads about why he didn't basically crack the whip on these guys a little bit more publicly. Yeah, you know what? I think Mike Sullivan's got too much respect for them to light them up in the you know, in the public, I, I would think behind closed doors, he's given it to them. I would think, you know, again, I, a lot of coaches except Tortorella kind of take the high road when it comes to the media, just because. And Sullivan coached with Tortorella, which is weird. I thought he would maybe adopt some of that, Tyler. He doesn't. Clearly. Yeah. You know what? I, that That's like the new age of coaching. You know, I don't think, you know, again, there's a lot of times where I'm watching the post game Mike Sullivan and I'm waiting for him to light a guy up that's turned the puck over for a goal, and he doesn't. He, he take again. He takes that the high road, I, and that's probably the better way to do it because once you light a player up in the media, yeah, you might get a reaction better playing from him, but you've kind of lost that respect from that player. Sure, you know that's that's the one thing I feel with this new age group. Of, you know, players that one, they're all on social media. They all read what coaches say before coaching light you up and you probably wouldn't hear from it unless it was from one of your buddies or like someone on the team that might've heard of driving, you know, now everyone watches and listens. So it's different with this new age group. So that's what I think happens. And yeah, like you're waiting for anything. And I think one thing Mike Sullivan is really good at, and it doesn't give you much is that, emotion about the wins and losses you know he doesn't give you much on what he's thinking how he's thinking you know he's like a a, kind of like a coach version of Sid you know Sid gets you you know he gives you enough that you're happy but he doesn't give you more than that and that's what I feel like Sullivan does what what do they need from him right now as a team from their coach you're saying he's even keeled like Sid is and that's good for them but what what does this team need from its coach to kickstart them into that kind of winning streak you talked about that they need Tyler um maybe a statement by maybe sitting a couple players or you know letting these young guys you know try you know, different positions, kind of like what he's doing now. I always feel like a, a last resort for a coach is really, you know, playing, you know, bingo, throwing everything at the wall, trying to mix and match. Like, he's really mixing and matching. He's giving a lot of guys opportunities. Like, that. that's what I think his last – like, you know, that's it seems like that's what his last resort is right now, trying to get this team going. That's what he's doing right now. I think the next one, I, like – he's got to sit a star or call a star out or, or something like that. Because when you look at 
the team, when you think of Sid, when you think of Malkins still having a pretty good year, Gensel's having a good year, Latang's having a good year, the goalies have been pretty solid. You know, like they're trending in the right direction. I think the goaltender's been, you know, after our first two or three months when we were talking, we were like, oh my God, they've been solid. Maybe they've been listening to us, but they've been real solid over the last two or three months. I think it's everyone else. You know, it's everyone else. Like, come on, guys. We need more production from other players. Like, your 37 or, you know, 37-year-old star player, Sidney Crosby, I know he's maybe the best, you know, top five to ever play, but he is 37, and we need some other guys trying to push for that scoring lead or trying to put some pressure on the points, you know, because he's carrying a lot, a lot of that weight, and he needs help if they want to win. Tyler Kennedy, Tyler, we got to let you run because we got Kyle Dubas next. So we'll see you on the other side, okay, buddy? Oh, boy. Good luck, boys. See ya. Brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep. Uh, why am I doing that right now? I've lost my mind. Um, <laughs> Penguins lost last night to the Islanders. Kyle Dubas here in a second. Uh, what happens next with the trade deadline now getting closer to days away? Uh, the Penguins now trail Detroit by nine points in the Eastern Conference playoff standings. For more, go to 937thefan.com. Right now, it's Pony and Muller. All right, 50-minute mark brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Sheep, Ram, and Peter, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Kyle Dubas, Jeff Hathorn in this as well. I don't think you'll hear this audio anywhere else today. We're going to rip through it. We're going to hear as much as we can and then react to it. Just minutes ago, the Penguins GM giving a state of the Penguins union and discussing the failures of the team to this point and what lies ahead for them with the trade deadline on the horizon. Yesterday, um, obviously disappointing and, and um, you know, where we're at right now is not where we uh, aspired to be at the beginning and, and we're where we aspire to be now. And on that note, I think it's important for me as the person in this position to uh, make myself available to you all and uh, be accountable for for where we're at uh, and answer any questions that uh, that anybody um, has about uh, the team this year to date and uh, with the trade deadline coming up in two and a half weeks where we're going um, I know that my answers on the trade deadline and our strategy will probably leave all of you uh, not very satisfied um, but that's just part of the job and our positioning so uh, having said that, I'll turn it over to uh, whatever questions anyone has. Fire away. Uh, Kyle, um, just to be direct with this, um, yep. just what is Jake Gensel's future for the Penguins? Do you anticipate him being a member of this organization past March 8th, maybe even July 1? Just where do things sure. stand as far as um, his status here? Yeah, I, th I think, Seth, it's uh, it's obviously one that, that's, a, that's at the forefront. He's injured now, um, obviously on injured reserve, and, and um, is eligible to come back on March 10th. I think the, the way that our whole strategy plays out in the next two and a half weeks, how our team continues to play, will will dictate uh, the short-term answer the, at the trade deadline, and then um, we'll continue to have those discussions leading up to that and then and then afterwards with where it's at. But I would say it's, um, you know, I, I understand how valuable he's been as a teammate, person in the community, contributor to, to helping the team win um, Stanley Cup and, and so on and so forth. So it's it's important, but at the, at the same time, you know, we have to take stock of where we're at and, and um, you know, be realistic about the fact that, you know, one of the issues we have is we need to get, uh, we need to get younger. And, um, 
you know, you know, we have a lot of guys in their in their 30s signed. Some of them are some of the best players in the history of the franchise, and it's tough with Jake, as I've said to him, because he's um, he's an excellent player and playing at an elite level. But um, you know, we have to find a way to continue to have those solid veteran guys, but also continue to get younger at the same time. All right, so we're going to just try to give reaction to some of the bigger sound bites here. That one on on Gensel. Chris, I, I, my reaction to hearing that is they're more likely to trade him than not. So I, I be realistic. We need to get younger. He's pretty much choreographing that if things don't turn around dramatically in the next um, twenty days, he's gone. That's how I, I take. I it. I typed in here and taking notes on this non-committal about his future, but that's before I heard. We also also this part of it, the first part of what you referenced. We have to take stock about where we're at, which is well out of a playoff spot. I'm with you. I think that that answer actually makes me feel that they are more likely than not to deal him. Kyle, I have two. One, uh, there was a report last night on TSN that uh, everybody but Crosby, Malkin, and Latang has been made available by you. I, I'm just asking for comment on that before I ask mine. Sure. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, did you want to address that one first? Sure, I can take okay. that, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see the exact uh, verbiage or wording of it. Um, I only I had another GM mention it to me today or ask me about it clearly. I think we've received a lot of calls on a lot of our players, especially as our team has been in the spot that it's at. My view of it, Rob, has been to, I feel like out of respect to the group here and what they've accomplished, I'm trying to be as patient as possible and give the group the time, and I've outlined that to them, to show that we can really make a push and make a run at it. Um, as we've continued to kind of stay level or, or drop, you know, we look up today at the standings, it's, it's not, it's a, it's a daunting task. Is the group capable of it? Yes, I think we've shown this year that we are, but we're running out of time to show that we can do it consistently. So as we've had, you know, coming out of the, out of the all-star break, you know, we lose two or three. Last week is the same, we lose two or three. The calls from teams that are, that are, these are really good players here. So teams are calling more and more asking, are they going to be available? And um, so, you know that's that's it's my job to to listen to it, but I haven't. You know, there's been no discussion about these guys are and these guys aren't available. A lot of teams are just calling and asking about a litany of our players. My, my question is, how does what happens between now and the end of the regular season um, impact uh, what you might do in the off season based off of previous held beliefs or comments regarding coaches, players, and whatnot? Can I ask you to be more specific yeah. about my like, what comments of mine With you're regards asking? Regards to the coaching staff or yeah. any players on this roster. I know you yeah. thought very highly of them all. Sure. But if this team continues yeah. to go in this direction, how much does that change your thought on what you need to do in the off season? Well, I think we have you know 29 games remaining to continue to evaluate all of that, Rob. I, the one thing I'd say about the coaching staff is I is I think that it's always the easy low hanging fruit and target of everything. And uh, I've got a deep respect for the coaching staff and the, and the way that they go about it. I meet with Sully every morning and we talk multiple times per day. He's deeply invested. He takes it. He come, he has to walk out here every day and, and answer all the questions. It's not an easy position in, in this league, especially because of the commitment. It's not like other sports where I don't, I don't know that they have this daily or it's, it's much more impromptu in, in baseball and, and, and the like in football, I think it's twice a week. He has to come out here every day and 
present himself. And uh, you know, we've got a team that means a great deal to him. I think he's very open about that. And he takes this very seriously and takes the ups and downs of it very seriously. And I think that's the, the respect I've, I've had for, I've developed for him throughout the year. You know that from afar, but when you get in it with somebody, you, it only helps you. So to me, with the, with the coaching staff, with Sully, I, I envision Mike Sullivan, um, based on what I've learned from him and our discussions this year and his ability to you know, take the development of each individual player seriously, I think he's the type of coach that can both help you win, as you all know here. I wasn't here, but uh, you know, he, he's the type of coach that shows he can win, but also that he can develop people. Uh, and develop players, so I, I don't. I don't think that uh, there needs to be any discussion about about Mike, um, as I would do with my own staff and any staff. I'll sit down with Mike at the end of the year and go through uh, his view of it, and we'll be very thorough about that. But I know he has great belief in them and the, and the work that they're doing, and and I see the work that they're doing every day. And I think the, the questions come because it hasn't manifested itself in consistency on the on the ice. So. Um, I just I'm at a loss on that one. No I, discussion on Mike. Uh, he's someone that I believe can develop people and players. Who is he? Hasn't done that with anybody on this team. Yeah, name one. Who are the Eric guys? Eric Carlson has underperformed. Who are the guys that we look at as maybe younger guys who be under Mike Tomlin's tutelage or stewardship here? Sullivan's or Mike. Su- Mike Sullivan. Freudian slip of all time. Under Mike there. Sullivan, have gotten better. And the first part of that answer dri- drives me. The coaching the staff craziest. is the low-hanging fruit. Well, it, yes. that, that drives me nuts. No, man, there's something that is but, worth being criticized. But he's giving Sullivan credit because he has to talk to the media, and then he's invested, and he takes his job seriously. That is the bare minimum request of every single coach NHL head coach. What coach doesn't take their job extra, seriously? You don't get brownie points. He tries hard. You don't get blue ribbons for that. I think Mike Tomlin... I've been frustrated with him. I think he takes his job very seriously. That is, that's just normal course of business right there. Show me a coach or show me a professional athlete who doesn't care. Well, I actually could think of a few of those examples. But there are very, very few. Just now thinking about Ronnie Polino. That's not reason enough to like a coach. No, it's it's a bare minimum. I have another theory. And again, it's not even on the table. It's not even like he's saying, like, let's examine this. No. These players are tuning out the coach. They're not heeding his words or instructions. But no, we. I've got this for whatever reason. I've only worked with him for a little while. And we've had no results. Uh, I'm just. I'm convinced he's hoodwinked me that he's the guy for the long haul. Even though everything I have to base that on happened before I showed up here. I think like yesterday where Jerry Dulac is talking about they believe in Kenny Pickett and meant Art Rooney. I mean everything Dubas said about Sullivan there might as well have been said by somebody from FSG. One of the actual owners of the team. So it, it's a non-starter for them, so he has to so regurgitate why, so Kyle, or it. Kyle Dubas knows where the bread gets buttered here, and he's not just going to give his honest opinion if it happens to be different from what the team ownership's opinion of Mike That's Sullivan interesting. is. Do you disagree with that I don't, notion? I'm not sure. I I think I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I, hold on. Let me I clarify don't, this. I don't want to agree with that. Let me clarify this. I don't know what Kyle Dubas's actual genuine opinion on Sullivan is. We have to take him at face value. He might like Sullivan just as much as ownership does, but you definitely can't draw any firm conclusions based on how he answered that question. If you're just tuning in here at 3 o'clock, Kyle Dubas just addressed reporters about the state of the Penguins, and we are listening to it right now. Let's eavesdrop on some more. So I think that's a fair question and criticism. With regards to the players, I think it, it goes into the whole strategy of the group, which we'll evaluate more deeply come uh, the end of the end of the season, whenever that may be. 
Uh, Kyle, building off that, in regards to the power play, yep. are you satisfied with the work Todd Reardon's done kind of managing that, or is it more of a execution standpoint from the players? I think when you have a, an element of your organization that uh, is underperforming, I think it falls on everybody. It falls on me. Um, so, you know, the personnel, the accountability, you know, so, you know, I, I have my part in that. It's obviously not performed at near the level that any of us want it to, and you can attribute, you know, how that impacts the, you know, I, I, and I've had different people on our own staff, like outline the, the impact that not performing on the power play has had on our understanding so far. Um, you know, so I think, number one, if there's an issue in the organization and, and you know, regardless of who you want to attribute it to, I think it, in, it has to start with me in terms of I have to investigate why and, and, and I'm the one that should be accountable for it. So I don't, and, and I think everybody in that locker room um, is unhappy about where that uh, that is at. So I don't I don't want to delve into, you know, individual coaches or players and, and their play on the power play because in the end I, I have to, uh, do everything I can to help them all get to that next level, and, and obviously, I think no, there's no dancing around it. It hasn't been where we want to, where we want it to, to be at. That said, we have continued opportunity here to, to rectify it, and, and that would be a, a, a real easy way for us to start to move in a more consistently uh, strong direction as a as a club here in the next couple of weeks. That's a that that's a that's a clever deflection by trying to take accountability for it. But what you didn't hear there about Reardon is the same praise that got lavished on Sullivan. The guy's dead man walking. He, he He's probably not going to get fired midseason. But in that answer, there's a guarantee that the guy, if things don't change, is going to be dealt his walking papers and will probably be the penguin scapegoat the same way that Matt Canada was for the Steelers this past season. There's the, she, she asked, Taylor has asked the question, are you satisfied with the job Todd Reardon has done? You can put it on the players and other people if you want, but like, there's nothing in that 90 second answer that is. It's easy to be the guy uh, who says who pulls supportive the, of the assistant coach. Yeah, but it's easy to pull the Mike Gundy criticize me. I'm a man. I'm 40. When you just signed a very rich contract to be the GM and you know you're not going anywhere, it's a very easy question Good to point. deflect. And Dubis is, I think, Dubis is accurate. I mean, he brought Eric Carlson here. I thought it was going to work just like he did. It hasn't. That was their big move. They unloaded a lot of the things that would be available to them to make their team better midseason. Yeah, those but the, assets were given up to get Carlson. But the nitty and it's gritty blown of, up, and that's on Dubas. But the nitty gritty of how does the power play run game to game, power well, play to right. power play is I, Todd Reardon and and Sullivan and Sullivan. But I mean, Re, that's Reardon's actual direct job. I agree. Uh, Kyle, have you to this point, or do you plan to? ask someone to waive a no trade or a no movement and how do you determine if you decide to move a player whether to do it now or to wait closer to the deadline to sure. increase his value mm-hmm. I, I have not asked any player to waive a no move or no trade Dave I think the uh, the you're always having these conversations so in our case you know throughout the year it's been measuring what it's going to cost to bring players in and what the market is for for uh, acquiring players and at the same time as our as our standing has kind of remained level outside the playoff picture we've had more calls as I as I outlined uh, earlier so you know it's it's trying to it's it's a gigantic it's a, it's a gigantic game of poker really you're trying to read off of the other teams you know know what teams are interested in your players also know which which teams are interested in the other players that you're pursuing 
um, and react off of that. I mean, in the last several years, uh, in doing this, we've been buyers. Um, you know, in, in Toronto, in my first couple of years, we were sellers, like in the, in the biggest way. So, in going through those experiences, I think those, you know, and, and knowing the other GMs and the way that they operate and, and how they handle their business. That's what I lean on to serve me here. You know, we've got Doug Wilson uh, on our staff as well. Uh, he's got a great you know, deal of insight into, you know, the, the ebbs and flows of the marketplace. There's obviously two trades coming right out of the All-Star break, and since then it's been stagnant. It's sort of the, I feel, the, the way that it tends to tends to go. So it's always trying to evaluate where that's at. When it's players that have longer term on their contract, both acquiring them and potentially moving them, you're measuring is what you're paying now going to be more or less or what you're receiving now going to be more or less than in the summer or at next year's trade deadline or the trade deadline after. So th- th- I wish there was a more clear way to answer your question other, th- other than to say there it's always fluid and evolving and, and it's up to me to stay on top of it and make sure that we're in a good spot uh, on, on both sides of the marketplace. I don't expect him to ask. He's not. He Rossi already brought it up with a question. He's not going to ask even just for bleeps and giggles he's not even going to broach the issue with Malkin and Latang about their no movement clause mm-hmm. I don't think he has the the balls to do it I don't even think he would have the authority to do it yeah I, I think I, he'd be going if he did do it he'd be going around ownership or behind ownership's back and that would it. be the one thing that would I think cross Crosby we've got the comments he made to Rob about Gensel about his commitment to wanting to have that trinity of players here until you know they're done going out on their terms here because of all they've accomplished. So Malkin or Latang would have to come to them, honestly. And I would that, be stunned by, well, by either one of those. Right, but that would have to mean that those guys had probably gone to Sid first and said, I'm this unhappy right now. And the other guys with no movement clauses are, Gensel's got a limited one, so he doesn't even have to get permission for some teams. Carlson's got a yep. full no movement clause. Mm-hmm. Could you picture that? Hey, Eric, we just gave up all this to get you. I moved heaven and earth to make you a part of this team. 50 games in, he's you too, mind waving that no movement clause? He's too good, by the way. Um, well, if you could get some insane return from him and recoup some of those assets, fine. Insane but, return? How about just getting the salary off your books, Chris? Well, yeah, that too. I mean, yes, if you have that I'm not sure Gensel about insane return. Going. It's just you've got, a, he's you got a talent- an $11 million albatross right now because he doesn't fit into what you're my doing, po- apparently. My point is he's a talented enough player that I'd be, I'd still be very concerned that I was trading away a guy even with the salary coming off the books. Uh, that would end up thriving elsewhere, and I would want to try to make it work here. Triple the clock out. The crowd is pleased because they put a whooping on the Panthers. Final score, 91-58. Wake wins a big ball game in the ACC standings and will break the tie for the fourth spot. And the Panthers fall down a rung on the ladder, but things happen, and they were all bad for the Panthers. Final score, the Deeks win at 91-58. The great Bill Hillgrove there with the call of an ass-kicking last night in Winston-Salem. Demon Deacons 91, Pitt Panthers 58. Uh, we will uh, get into this athletic story on the Pirates later this hour. Uh, we'll have Mike Florio in between, so stay tuned for that discussion. Uh, we've got some fun with fan audio, including what was not so fun last night oh. down in Wake Forest. By the way, did you got uh, maybe it's just my TV. Just a quick aside. It, I already here. know where this is going. The quality of picture down at Wake Forest, Hideous. Donnie. Did you see that? It looked like it was in standard depth Hideous. last night on HD. It did look weird to me. The only thing I could come up with was, is it that their floor is so janky looking that it makes the picture quality look worse? It didn't look, look like an HD 
4K, 1080p It did look broadcast. like HD, though. Like, when they show a close cut of a player and you can't see the court, so it's just, a like, a shot on a player, it looked better, which led me to believe it had to be at least in part because of how weird their floor looks. All sometimes. right, here is no capel last night on post game. He must have been in a foul mood. So instead, Gee, I can't imagine why. So instead, Tim O'Toole, their assistant coach, bit the bullet, and here's what he said about Pitt's blowout loss. This one was a rough one. We've got to kind of learn and move forward. When you're coming out on the road, when you look at the numbers, you know, alone, we didn't do any of the things you needed to win, especially defensively. When they shoot 60 percent or 61 from the field and 50 from the three it's going to be nearly impossible. And I, I did think one of the things in the first half, we didn't want to just settle for threes. And I think we took 17 out of our 30 attempts were from deep. And that kind of plays into their hands. What we want them to do is try to get it to the second side, make them defend a little bit longer. And uh, I don't think we did that. And that kind of gave them a little bit more momentum. And that's why we were stuck. And then, uh, and then in the beginning of the second half, it just got away from us and, and we never got back. It just felt like a perfect storm, a perfect situation for them to lose. They had been so hot. Hinson was coming off a 41-point game, blistering hot from him. The guards were making shots low, and uh, Carrington even, even though he's not a good three-point shooter at all, under 30% from three, which is weird because when it comes off his hand, that actually looks like a good shot. Um, and Wake Forest doesn't lose at home. They're undefeated there in ACC play. So I thought they were kind of walking into a buzzsaw last night. What I didn't understand was Lenardi, who, like, can we get the guy, oh, more complaints. Can we get him a camera where it's not just like a selfie video? I saw where every it's like individual nose his hair. triple chin. His, his nose hair. His piranha teeth and everything. I'm like, my goodness. It looked like we, a, I'm glad you brought him up because the video there was, it just, it's the least flattering angle imaginable. Right. And he's got his Lenardi. book behind him, and I'm like, who's going to read a book about Joe Lenardi's like, history and bracketology? Chapter 1, 2002's bracketology. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, I thought. Yeah, but he said must win last night for Pitt, wasn't. and I'm like, come on, it's not a Joe. Mark. I think they were trying to gas up the game, but it's on ACC Network. It's not even like it's on ESPN where you're really trying to hard sell it. Yeah, Jay Billis and Dan Schulman aren't at this game last night. Um I saw a story this morning. Pitt didn't even move in like most people's projections. It's just that was like not a, a must win. Now you got to handle your business, I think, against Clemson, and, and that's a tough out. But so what's their record in ACC play now? Eight, eight and seven, seven. and if, wakes nine and six. If they win out, they're thirteen and seven in ACC play. And how many how many regular season wins would they have? Uh, they would Donnie, get, get to twenty two. They'd 22? be twenty two and. Uh, nine, nine, twenty-two and nine. Come on, if they it. go twenty-two and they're nine, in. they're in. Thirteen and seven would mean they'd have road wins at Duke, at Virginia, and at Clemson. That's a that's a tournament team. They'd have how many road games? Period. Do they have left? Clemson, and BC. I think Vaughn Tech. I, oh, that's a home game. That, that's no, a that's home, home game. game. Uh, they have one more. They have Florida State or somebody. They have somebody other than Clemson on the road. BC, Clemson, head. and BC. Okay. Yeah, I thought they had. Another so one. if they beat those two teams on the road, that's eight road wins. No, there are not in. a lot they'll, of teams in, in America that have eight true road wins. That's a tournament team. They would be in Clemson, Duke, Virginia on the road would be enough, more than enough. I don't even think they'd be close to the Dayton games. If the that league happened. gets no love. I mean, it's ridiculous. Wake Forest is absolutely. 68 teams make this thing. Team. If they're not one of the 68 best teams in the country, well, then every data point and number they use to justify their field is pointless. Right. Uh, I actually, I did just think, by the way, that they were running into a little bit of a buzzsaw, but if we're going to talk, if I can speak practically about the effort for one minute, I did think that they showed, and this is where I would put it on the coaching a little bit, you know, they had that annoying guy on Wake Forest who was also good. I give him credit. I don't, Hildreth, is that yeah. his name? 
they had him basically doing the old high school thing for the best team player on an opposing team where he just stood there and looked at him the whole time. Like, I'm not even – I'm face-guarding you, denying you the ball. I did think Pitt, for how many good guards they have and for how much we talk about those guys, and rightfully that they're really good and deserving of praise, they did not seem to have a defined plan of attack on how they were going to execute their offense. I get it. You make shots, your offense looks a lot better, and it's shots they've made this year. Did you get the sense, though, that Carrington low – up low early in the game, yes, but that Carrington – that there was really like a defined plan of how are we going to attack these guys? Because I didn't. I think that they're. I think they were not spooked, that, but I think that they didn't know how to react to his. Their and best being player makes wild shots. I think it's easy when somebody doesn't need a clean look to make a basket for bad habits to seep in offensively, because you're not relying on the perfect play for the guy to to score. He'll score 41 and he'll shoot the ball from half court like he's Steph Curry or uh, Caitlin Clark. Um, I do think this, they need to have a little bit more of a defined sense on how they want to run I their agree. offense when he's not I hitting 100% shots. I 100% agree. Now, this came up on the morning show, but then they got into the Steelers and the salary cap, and Zeiss wanted to make one thing perfectly clear to Crowley. And then we could probably put the pieces together. I was going to ask you, Doran, and, and you. Thank you. We keep, uh, what's your name again? Crowley. Go ahead and clip that one, Kelly. What's the, what's Who the, am I working with today? Yeah, what's the, uh, what's the texter call you, Fatim? Man, people are really getting on Crowley saying he's added a little punch. He has. He definitely has. But how about that senior 844-346-1800. Donnie, you're online at awaken180weightloss.com. By the way, Amanda even commented on Donnie's weight loss today. She goes, this guy gave him so much credit, not only the weight he lost, but on a play social media where people will just rip you to shreds. I know that firsthand. Donnie, comfortable posting pictures of himself topless. Shirtless he pics. A, he posted a topless picture. Shirtless pics are out there, she said. She said it looked good. Wow. Is she trying to send an unsubtle message to you? Why do you think I'm seeing the personal trainer two times a week? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem to be taking yet. Thanks, Chris. I put in a demanding workout again. I was pushing that sled around at the end. I'm not saying it's because I haven't noticed any change in your physique. It's because you come in on days where you work out and act like you just like died, basically, and had to be resuscitated. I was better today. I didn't come close to throwing up. Were any of the girls in the gym laughing at you today? Yeah, they usually do. I kind of want to picture this firsthand. I, I imagine, like, so my sister-in-law played uh, volleyball, D1, so she's a very good athlete, and she does, like, one of those, like, boot camp places every morning. She's very driven to stay in just top physical condition. Congratulations on all her success. I imagine people like her standing around in the gym while he's just out there, like, sweating through four shirts, just howling with laughter. And it is, admittedly, a very funny video. And on the fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. That's where we find Pro Football Talks. Mike Florio gave us the... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can over think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Great nugget last week that he had heard from someone within the Kirk Cousins camp that the Steelers, they were targeting or looking at the Steelers as a team that could be very interested in Cousins and could be making an offer. Then over the weekend, the long President's Day weekend, Jerry Dulac had a story in the Post-Gazette talking about how there's division inside Steelers headquarters on Kenny Pickett versus Mason Rudolph and then added they're not interested in bringing an external starting quarterback into the fray. So let's get Mike's reaction to that right now. Hello, Mike. Hey, how are you guys? What do you make of that story, Mike? I saw you wrote about it a little bit for PFT. I was surprised. I'm not surprised that there would be division between Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. I'm surprised by the idea that they've already slammed the door internally on possible upgrade when you've got a season with so many guys that will be available a surprising number of names on that list how could you not look at that list and say damn one of these guys is better than either of our current options mike if we take them at face value that they have slammed the door on that what do you think is driving that decision in light of what you just said could be out there or who do you think would be driving the decision to slam the door on it well, I don't take the the report at face value. I mean, look, who knows? Maybe they're being coy. Maybe they don't want to unreasonably set expectations before they decide who they want. The Steelers are the betting favorites to get Russell Wilson, which tells me somebody knows something, unless it's just a reflection of, of the betting trends. If, if, if it was impossible, if it wasn't happening, if they slammed the door, he wouldn't be the favorite to go to Pittsburgh. So, you know, if, if, if the only explanation I would have, if it is true, they've already come to their consensus. They've already made their decision that they're not going to dip their toe in that pool. I just, I think that that's, that's uh, a foolish decision to make prematurely. You don't know what it's going to cost to get some of these guys. You don't know whether or not somebody would be willing to maybe take less to come play for you. Maybe they wanted to play for the Steelers their whole life. It's just it's it's early. Next week is when a lot of stuff gets found out at Indianapolis when agents and teams get together and they tamper like crazy and nobody ever says anything about it. 
Mike, you uh, keep saying they, I think meaning the collective of the Steelers, Art Rooney, Mike Tomlin, their front office. I just want to bring something else to your attention. One of our producers, Harry Callis, asked Jerry Dulac today. He said, Jerry, are you convinced Mike Tomlin really wants Rudolph back after the multiple times he's buried him on the depth chart? To which Dulac replied, really good question. So it seems to me like the head coach, at least to one of the biggest insiders, is not sold on the idea of Rudolph. So to, back to Chris's question, uh, isn't it logical to conclude that their quarterback decision might be most heavily influenced by what the owner wants in this situation? Well, we have said many times during this segment over the past few years that Art Rooney is in charge of everything and he doesn't feel compelled to pull the spotlight onto himself. He doesn't get credit or blame for the decisions that are made, but he's heavily involved. And a lot of owners are involved. It's just the way that it is. So is it as simple as we want to get full value out of this first round pick and look back what happened with Terry Bradshaw and how long it took for him to finally reach his potential. And maybe we're willing to give Kenny Pickett the same kind of time, the same opportunity to get himself to what, he's ultimately destined to become and we're not going to be in the business of flushing these these young quarterbacks like so many teams do give up on them after one year two years there maybe maybe it's an institutional thing no different than we're going to stick with a coach as long as we want and longer than anybody else because we're patient we're stable and this is what we do i i still think it's foolish but i would i would understand the reasoning because it's backed up by the history what do people around the – I mean, do you talk to people around the league who look at the Steelers' approach, Mike, at times and, and kind of scratch their heads and say, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Like, their patience has given way to complacency here. Do do people around the league sort of ever comment on this offhandedly? No, no. And if anything, people with other teams kind of like the idea of an organization that is very slow to change. You know, it makes it easier for you to to, to do your job when you're not worried that any one year could be the last year and look at how many owners out there will file fire a coach during his first season after his first season and not give people a full chance to, to really blossom into whatever they're going to be. So I haven't heard many reactions to that, but I think the reaction largely would be, damn, I wish my owner was that way. Mike Florio pro football talk. Our guest here Wednesdays at three 30. All right, Mike, Quick game we're going to play. I have a quarterback. I'm going to name him. And just the team that pops into your head right away, the team that you think that guy will play for next season. Let's start with your guy, Kirk Cousins. Now, I want to be sure that we understand the limitations of this game. We're just playing a game here. I don't know what's going to happen. I still think it's going to be Minnesota, but it's not Minnesota. It'll be Atlanta. It's a very limited game, Mike, so don't worry. We're not going to bring any of this back on you and, right. and, and hit you so with it later. So first blush there, you think he's back in Minnesota with the Vikings. Justin Fields. I don't think anybody else is going to pay him the kind of contract or offer him the kind of contract that's going to get him to leave, and I think at the end of the day he stays in Minnesota. But it's not Minnesota. I think Atlanta. Okay, how about Fields? That's a great question, and I don't know. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. What are you going to get for Fields in a year where you've got all of these other veteran quarterbacks available in free agency? They may have to wait a while if they decide to move on from him. 
my my choice if I was in the Bears brain trust would be keep field. So the answer would be preferably Chicago. Bears. Uh Baker Mayfield. Bucks. Bucks. But I'm intrigued. If they don't use the franchise tag on him and Rick Stroud, who covers the Bucks for the Tampa Bay Times, said they're gonna use it on Antoine Winfield Jr. if anybody, if they don't use the tag on him and don't sign him before the eleventh when the legal tampering period starts, who knows? A lot of people missed out on him last year and he signed for only four million. I, 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 I th- I'm intrigued by where he could land, but I think the Bucks will be smart and get something done. Joe Flacco. Nowhere. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, maybe just like last year. Are you going to pull Roger Clemens playing? and just hang out and wait for a, an opportunity that looks sounds good? like? Uh, I always thought Brett Favre was going to do that. I always thought that there would be a year or two of Favre doing the Clemens thing where you just sit and you hang out and you wait for an opportunity to pop up and you just trust that it will. And for quarterbacks, it's it's hard to to envision and predict that there's going to be a lot of injuries. But there because always that are. usually doesn't happen. This past year it went crazy. though. And look how many guys had to be injured before his phone even rang. So I don't know that he's going to want to do the whole – training camp, off-season workout. Nobody's going to let him be the starter. I think that, that it'll be nobody, and he'll wait to see if there's a rash of injuries and an opportunity pops up and he, he joins somebody during the season. Russell Wilson. The Raiders. I think the Raiders. When, when all that stuff hit the fan late in the season and there was a lot of chatter and people talking on and off the record, I got the impression that Wilson was going to be willing to take the minimum salary – Stick the Broncos for the rest of it because he's due to make $39 million fully guaranteed in 2024, and the ultimate spite move would be go to the Raiders. Tannehill. I don't know. I think Tannehill is going to be one of these delayed reactions. Let's see who didn't get the guy that they thought they were going to get, and then somebody may scramble to get him. I could see him as an option in Minnesota if Cousins surprisingly leaves. Atlanta if they don't get the guy they're looking for. And Hey, Arthur Smith, who coached Tannehill well enough to become a head coach in his own right, how are you not pitching Ryan Tannehill as a better alternative than Kenny Pickett and and Mason Rudolph? How about business of football all-star Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. And, I mean, talk about meathead. He had $11.25 million riding on not getting suspended. You give the Raiders a gift-wrapped ability to avoid paying you that money that was fully guaranteed. They're going to cut him. He's going to be available. And I think the question is this. I raised this the other day on our PFTPM podcast. He was at one point the highest-paid player in the NFL. Now, it didn't last very long. He was at $27.5 million, and then Kirk Cousins signed with the Vikings for $28. It's amazing to think in just six years the market's nearly doubled the quarterback. But – Will he take whatever he can get like a Joe Flacco, or will he say, I don't need to go be the number three guy on somebody's depth chart. If I'm not the starter, I'm just not going to play. Will he do a Roger Clemens thing? That's going to be interesting because it's rare that you see a guy that was paid like a high-end franchise quarterback just continue to cash whatever checks he can cash. Flacco is the aberration. Most guys who were ever at the top of the mountain, once the starting opportunities dry up, they tap out, and 
he's not going to be the starter somewhere. Question is, is he willing to be a backup or even a third string? Mike, any theory on the on who the little birdie is that told Chad Johnson that Russell Wilson will be with the Steelers next year? No, no, Peter yeah. King. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike, good stuff. We'll talk again next week. Right. See ya. See ya. The left, Donovan's back to the wall. Key Brad Hayes is the hero. He just put the Pirates ahead, turning around the first pitch for a three-run homer. And how are the Pirates? How are the Pirates in the lead right now? Won't be long until we hear Joe Block again on 93.7 The Fan. Grapefruit League Baseball is what, days away, Donnie? Fact check that for me when they uh, get their game started. Isn't it like they Saturday? Saturday? They play Saturday. Thank you. Even better. And we'll have the game? Yes. And I've always thought, don't the broadcasters use that time to get warmed up as well? You won't hear a block call like that in, in Grapefruit League action. It's great. It's spring training. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, he hit one out of the park. There you go. Keep Brian Hayes, a home run. Post game coming up. Who was the... Uh, I already forget who it was. Oh, yeah, Kevin Newman hit like 700 in spring training a couple of years ago. Don't forget about the hit collector, Matt Haig. Or how about Craig Monroe, that one spring training with the Pirates. The guy turned into Babe Ruth. I will tell you right now, I'll throw Dan Zangrilli under the bus. He He told me in very grave, serious tones right before the 2013 season, he thought Pedro was ticketed for bad things. And that he said, "You're in that Dan voice, he goes, now remember this, you're going to be talking about Matt Haig, the hit collector all season. Pedro, I will remind you, led the NL in home runs that year. Matt now, why hit. would you just use this to just take a cheap shot at Zangrilli? Because I just remember thinking he was so... Not, well, how about the time Zangrilli was spot on about players? There's probably countless there examples of that. There are many examples of that, but I just remember him being very convicted about Matt Haig's abilities. 50-minute mark brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Peter, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. So, this is an 11-page story in The Athletic. Stephen Nesbitt, who covered the Pirates for a long time, and Ken Rosenthal, who's probably the biggest insider name in baseball going right now. I would say he's in the... Passing? Yeah, I would say that Ken Rosenthal is either the baseball equivalent of Adam Schefter or Jay Glazer. He's that big of a name, and he's been doing it for that long. So his name is on this story, too. 11-page report, and the title is Why the Pirates Keep Losing, quote, Comfortable Being Mediocre. And the story starts with an anecdote from 10 years ago. So back in 2014, when Neil Huntington was still the GM, and he went to ownership, he wanted to upgrade the team's spring training facilities. Uh, It's been around for a while. The clubhouse, it says here, was built back in the 1920s. So Huntington went to ownership with a plan to come up with $8 million for upgrades for their home down in Bradenton. And when Huntington asked for this money... Bob Nutting, according to this story, allegedly, and they... After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela. The mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Cited three sources who confirmed this. Told Huntington the money would have to come out of the existing baseball operations budget. And it says here that that covers everything from scouting to player development to salary, so it could affect payroll. And then the next sentence says the $8 million ultimately was drawn over time from the Major League payroll. So that's where the story starts. And that's honestly, I've read the whole thing and we'll get into some of it. I think that's probably the biggest piece of new information that comes out of it. So this is, well, Pirates haven't responded to any of it. They haven't, Travis Williams hasn't talked. Ben Charrington hasn't talked. Bob Nutting hasn't talked, although I would expect Nutting soon to talk because he usually does when spring training opens. Um, I will say for me... If this part is true, I don't like it. If, now this is going back to 2014 when they were right in the thick of contending for divisions and making the playoffs and competing for World Series, taking $8 million out then, okay, sorry, Neil, you can get your uh, clubhouse updated, but we're going to take away from the things that help put a better product on the field. I'm not a fan of that. If that part of the story is true, Chris, that would be a problem. That would be problematic for me if they had to rob Peter to pay Paul to make their facilities better. Uh, That was my major takeaway as far as certainly new information from the story. I would agree if that is, in fact, what happened, if that is true, uh, I don't like that. That's the part I don't agree with. And no one went on the record to say that. No one went on the record. It was sources were granted anonymity throughout this. But if it is, in fact, true that the $8 million was drawn over time from the Major League payroll, I don't like that. I do think that in really any professional sports industry, the major four leagues, uh, I do think it's pretty straightforward belief of mine. Payroll should be one part of the budget, and then operating expenses should be a separate bucket like that, most you're, that you're drawing like from. Like 99% of businesses, right. I think, are done like that. Yeah, you draw from two different buckets. That's how. That's kind of how the budget gets made. So if that part of it is true, I do not like that. I am. I would pretty much co-sign every syllable now, of what you said there. What I think is, what I think is a little bit. I'll go with the word interesting here about that story. Put yourself in Neil Huntington's shoes. Ten years ago, you're coming off a 94-win season where you win the wild card game. People have called that like one of the great sporting events in Pittsburgh history. I can't disagree. Yep. You lose. You take the Cardinals, a 100-plus win team to the brink, five games. Team that ended up representing the NL in the now, World Series. I would agree. You might think this is short-sighted by the owner and, like, what are we doing here? We can't have both. We can't have our cake and eat it, too. I can't have $8 million for players and $8 million in upgrades. We're just having, we just came off this historically great season. Everyone's happy with us. If I'm in Huntington's spot, I think I just say the hell with the $8 million in renovations and give me the $8 million on players. I would. If it's one or the other, in that situation, like, I'm, I'm just, if this is true, I'm surprised Huntington didn't say, guys, I know, we don't have, this isn't, insert name of team that's just built world-class spring training facility in Arizona somewhere. And can you guys for a few for a few weeks just tolerate the clubhouse conditions here? Well, the other so part- we can win. I like I hearken back to watching what was what was David Justice doing in Moneyball Donnie 
when he got to the A's? Wasn't he having to pay for his own Pepsi or something like that? Like, yeah, he had to pay for his own soda. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that, and that way it's the same situation. Well, it's not just the clubhouse. I will. I, I do feel compelled to point out it's also a, a weight big room. weight room, which yeah. is performance-based there. Sure. It's basically increasing and tenfold I, and, the size and, of the And I room. will repeat, like, somebody should probably not be in the position where they have to decide one or the other. But in that situation, I think I would have taken the $8 million and said, who can I find with, with this? You know what? The facilities. Forget, it, forget about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll. I mean, $8 million 10 years ago, you could have gotten maybe another starting pitcher or something like that for that price then. Also, it, says, it does say the $8 million was drawn over time from the Major League payroll. I'm wondering how many, like, is that over a period of multiple years then? Yep. So then if it's just for argument's sake, if it was drawn over a three-year period and it's $3 million a year, I would say then it becomes a little less of like what could you have gotten for maybe three million a year, but yeah, I would still default back to it should come out of two separate buckets. Former player quoted here, not named, yep. on what happened to the Pirates after thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, where their payroll peaked at at a hundred million dollars, and by twenty twenty one, when they were in rebuild mode with Ben Charrington and Shelton, went all the way down to forty five, and the former player said. Of nutting, quote, he pulled out so quick he was kind of comfortable stepping back and being mediocre, which is the quote that was used to give the title to this story. My opinion, I honestly think that because they had success for those three years, he thought they could, like, weave yarn into gold. Because you, if you have success doing it that way for three years in the sport that is supposed to challenge your structural way of doing things with a yeah. long regular season, if you go 94... I- 80, what, 88, 98, yeah. and you win the second most games in baseball I, in that time frame, you probably figure I, I just, you have stumbled I, onto I, something. I felt like there was hubris there on their part after 15 with some of the moves that they made, especially some of the pitchers they picked up. Like, look at what Benedict and look at what Sirich have done with other reclamation projects. We'll just keep it going. I think that they, I think they were slow to adjust to the way baseball adjusted. I've pointed this out many times about the 13, especially the 13 and probably 14 teams. And in 15, I think it was starting to change across baseball, but it was still the same way. Do you remember baseball back then? It was a lot more like speed and defense. The shifting was still pretty novel. I mean, Pedro led the league in home runs. 36. With 36. That wouldn't get you close to it now. No, those are like late 80s numbers. Right. It was it was very much 1980-style baseball. Because they, and- they figured, okay, people still like to watch home runs. Ball go far. And... Two things I think happened. The Pirates did not really make a good adjustment to figure out how to maximize their advantage in that realm. And they also, like, stubbornly, and I also will just say this, in in general, raw power has been something that really in my whole lifetime, even in the early 90s, they had bonds. Well, it's expensive, but they've failed to, they've had a hard time finding and developing raw power. Well, so that gets brought up here. It is, it's at least included, I think, like, to be fair, in the article, they don't make a big deal of it, but they do point out that in 2011, the the Pirates spent a record $17 million on the draft when they picked Cole first overall. Then they convinced Josh Bell to not go to Texas. Five they million got Glass bucks. now in the fifth round. Clay Holmes, who's gone on to pitch well with the Yankees in the ninth round. Yeah. So the Pirates found a loophole. And then baseball got pissed and closed it. Well, very big markets, and think notably John Henry from the Red Sox was loudly opposed to so, what they were doing. So they slotted everything in. They yep. created a level playing field with the draft. And then this article points out in the right to, since then their draft, their drafting has not been very good. 
The other thing they point out is they talk about the international thing. Remember, they built the Dominican Academy and everything yep. else. They have not. This is incredible. They have not developed an amateur free agent since Marte, who signed in 2007. Who made that's more than 15 years ago, Chris. Specifically, the the piece says into a consistent impact player. So, yeah, almost now we're pushing 20 years ago since the last time I mean, somebody remember, came from you that know area. This. Remember what a big deal it was when they opened that Dominican Academy and they thought that that was going to be a pipeline? It was Rene Gallo was down there and he was going to get them the best talent. Um, I think back in the in the salad days, those three years when I feel like people were, obviously the results on the field backed what people wanted to believe about them. I think it was easier to believe that they were going to keep churning this stuff out. But they, from a from an on-field standpoint, I do think they lost their cutting edge of, of innovation that they were on. They, they failed to do what I think the Rays have managed to continually do somehow. Doesn't it feel like the Rays are always the ones innovating in the next step ahead, the opener, any other way you might look at like what they do? It used to be the A's. Now I think it is the Rays, yeah. Yeah, they, they've innovated uh, in that way. And I do think the Pirates failed to continue innovating uh, after those three years. Okay, so then the next focus in this article is on what happened with Key Brian Hayes last year. And so the article, which is really just a takedown piece on the Pirates all the way around, now it transitions from money to just maybe their failure in player development. Yeah. Right. How Player instruction. And so it points out here, like, it, it, there, there's two sides to this coin. There's the positive side of things where Hayes had this breakout second half of the season. And, and, I, and we talked about this a little bit last year. He owed it to John Nunnally who was the hitting coach at AA. And it says here that Charlie Hayes, uh, Key Bryan's dad, pretty much urged Key Bryan to talk to Nunnally mm-hmm. because, quote, he knows what he's talking about. And, um, and Key Bryan Hayes said he didn't think, he said, quote, I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. At the end of the day, it's got to be about what's best for me. And he was of the opinion that, hey, it helps everybody the way I looked at it. No harm, no foul. Now, Hayes goes on the record and says all these things. Mm -hmm. He's quoted in here. So he thought when he was kind of going over the MLB hitting coach's head to talk to the double-A guy who he liked, that in the end, as long as he produced, it was going to... It was going to work out. In business, by the way, as an aside here, you do get told, like, don't go over somebody's head. You should at least run it up the chain of command. If you don't get the answer you think you deserve or want or the help you need, then you take it up the ladder. But don't you always assume that sports works a little bit differently? And if it's you invested money in a guy, if buddy, if you need to go around our hitting coach who had been, you know, was embattled at that point, to say the least, go do it. Right. So there's, I mean, there's clearly from maybe Nunnally and Hayes, there's a little insubordination. There's a little bit of, like, not being honest about what was going on here. But it worked. And then Nunnally was let go by the Pirates at the end of the season. And Nunnally... With one week week left. Nunnally is quoted in the story as saying when they learned of the sessions that they had been having basically in secret, quote, for sure they were upset, end quote. Now, I would just tell you this. um, The part of this whole Nunnally-Hayes thing that is frustrating to read. And, and I know we've heard about him before. Jason Mackey's come on the show and talked about John Nunnally with us, I yep. think right before they let him go, uh, actually. Upset is is frustrating to read. Because ultimately, if it got your player that you had signed to a pretty rich deal in terms of the team's history of these kinds of deals to hit much better, and ha- would you say people are right now 
cautiously optimistic that maybe Cabrian Hayes has turned a corner? I was. I am. And I was nervous around June of last year that he was just going to be a great fielding third baseman who never hit. Right. And so now I think you have the potential that if he keeps hitting, he's going to become a star. The fact that they were apparently upset about this is troubling to me. I would just think it's not just them, Chris. Right. Hayes was upset that they fired Nunnally. So there were hard feelings on both sides. I will, the sounds of I will say, I will say, in the interest of fairness, having read all that, and I am frustrated that we got to the point where it's like they're mad about it. Like they, because clearly pride works its way in here, right? Our instructors are good enough. I will say, Charrington's quoted as having been, you know, said in the past, we're not averse to guys working with outside help, individual coaches, and that not only turned down jobs and is actually going to be working, it looks like, with Hayes. As a private, yeah, he's coach. basically hired him as a private instructor, the same way quarterbacks have quarterback coaches Outside that are not employed team. by the team. Yeah, Kenny has one, but yep. like, it, I, what's the guy's name? Tony Te- Tony Rapiochi. Rassi- is it Rapiochi? I'm not sure. Rapiochi. Anyway, I will say that to whatever degree that part of it can come to a happier ending, it does because you find out that Hayes, bottom line, will continue working with the guy who made him look the best he's ever looked at the plate. Text us on the Edgar Steiner Associates fan text line. Edgar Steiner reminds you to text responsibly. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Aditi Kinkabwala. We're going to go all access with her on the. Time to go all access with CBS Sports, the NFL on CBS. She was in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, that great overtime game between the Chiefs and uh, 49ers. Aditi Kinkabwala back with us here. And Aditi has let it be known several times with us. She thinks Kenny will be the Steelers' starting quarterback when the season starts in week one. I don't think I've asked you, Aditi, who you like as the number two quarterback behind Pickett. So I'll throw out some names here. Joe Flacco, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew, and the incumbent Mason Rudolph. From your perspective, who do you think makes the most sense? I love a guy like a Joe Flacco or a Ryan Tannehill or a Jacoby Brissett. I didn't what even is, think of Brissett. That's what a good is it, one. What specifically are the qualities you like about any of those guys? I want a smart, heady veteran who has seen everything, who has done everything, who is willing and able and eager to help, who wants to witness and accompany and create the growth of a young quarterback. I think of what Case Keenum did for C.J. Stroud, something like that. Kenny Pickett is an unbelievably motivated and driven young man. He doesn't need somebody pushing him to push him. He will be pushed on his own. He's not a guy that's standing in there saying, oh, well, I just expect everything to fall at my feet and I'm never going to work again. I mean, this is a guy that is automatically the first one in, the last one out, who's carving out space to do as much extra work as he possibly can. Wasn't that a story when he was a rookie that he had his own little yes, desk cubicle. in some area? Did, yes. Exactly. In the coaches. I mean, facility. this is not someone who needs to run scared. And I keep saying this, the Steelers haven't given up on him yet. They haven't sat here and said, okay, he's definitely not the answer. So he's definitely not the answer. Then, And this is sort of the argument that we had last week where I said, well, then look forward and do everything you can to build him up, to prop him up, to help him, to help him grow and develop. And what do you do? How, what is one of the ways that you do that? You bring a veteran in the room. You bring a veteran in the room who can help translate for him sometimes. 
when it goes from coach to player. You bring a veteran in the room who has seen everything that there is to be seen. You get a guy that on the bench can look at the tablet and say, hey, look, look at it this way, look at this this way. And this idea of, oh, he needs to have his feet to the fire, he needs to have somebody competing with him, Kenny is self-driven. He's self-motivated. Well, by the way, those are their words, not ours. I mean, there's a lot of fans that feel that way, but they keep throwing that C word around. Art keeps throwing it around. Tomlin compete. They've no both, anointing and all that stuff. They both said those things. I mean, it's been widely. But I think that that's their ethos in general, sure, right? But, it's like... been, but, but it has been widely reported now that their preference would be to bring Mason Rudolph back among all those other guys that we mentioned, which would not be the same as. Here's Joe Flacco talking about, you know, I've been in this spot before. Here's how you navigate your way through it. That would be more of a competition thing, and it sounds like that is their preference right now, Aditi. Okay, so that's them. They get, they're they the ones that make that decision, right? Wait, You're asking me if no, no, I no, were no. to run the show. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. If, it were, if I had my druthers, well, so then, if so, I so got then to let wave me, a So then let me follow up with you and just ask you then, why, why, would you, why do you think Rudolph is a bad idea or not the best idea? I don't think that he's a bad idea. I just don't think that he's as valuable as if you're ultimately going to have Kenny Pickett win this competition, if you're ultimately going to have Kenny Pickett be your quarterback. And the point here is that I don't think that he's falling apart. Now, let's say something unbelievably crazy happens, okay? And obviously, bite my tongue, throw salt over my shoulder, or whatever those things are. I don't think he's getting into a parasailing accident. Nothing like that. But... Barring anything crazy unforeseen, the way that Kenny Pickett works, the way that Kenny Pickett has been challenged, who Kenny Pickett is, I still fully expect him to be the Steelers' starting quarterback in the fall. So then what would be most beneficial to him and his play and his growth and his development? It would be a guy that could help him. And, you know, I brought up Jacoby Brissett. In the middle of the season, the Browns needed another quarterback. They wanted to get Jacoby Brissett. Ron Rivera would not let Jacoby Brissett go, even though he was not starting. It was because Jacoby Brissett was that valuable to Sam Howell. And they had this young quarterback, and they needed Jacoby Brissett in the room for him. Aditi, I've also seen some opinions put out there that, hey, to give Kenny Pickett the truest, fairest chance to succeed, the Steelers must surround him essentially just with better players where do you think on their offense is the best way to allocate resources to surround him with what he needs uh, to maybe get the full picture of what he can be and to have the best chance of success? Is it skill players for you, or is it their offensive uh, You line? know, Aditi, she's going to go with the big guys up front. Maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, Pony knows me well enough. Look, I really, really, really like Friar Moose. I really like these running backs. I think they're a great one-two punch or one-one-a punch. I think that these wide receivers have talent, but I am on the record repeatedly saying I just feel that they need to be held to account in a different way that they have been, and I have all sorts of confidence that Arthur Smith is that person. Are, I mean, you, even see, convinced, right? are you even convinced that Johnson's going to be on the team this fall? He does I'm not convinced, contr- but he, I, I he, will tell you, but I also, the other piece of this that I feel I need to say is that I'm not comfortable necessarily saying what their greatest need is until I get a better sense of 
what Arthur Smith's plan is. Gotcha. And I think it's only fair that he's still sort of in an assessment mode. But you would agree with me that Johnson's not a slam dunk. He doesn't have a contract beyond this year. I don't really get the sense that they're terribly interested in in, uh, extending him. Does he do a hold-in again? I mean, those are things that need to be sorted out, Aditi. I don't – sure. I mean, sure, there are things that need to be sorted out. I don't – I don't know that anybody's really guaranteed, even though I'm sitting here, and I mean, other than T.J. Watt, right, and Alex Highsmith, and Cam says he wants to be back. But, you know, like, remember, there was this big dance with Ben Roethlisberger. Is he coming back or not? Is he coming back or not? What's going on with this last season? Well, I think they kind of so, wanted him to leave on his own terms at that point, and then he called their bluff. Oh, well, I mean, perhaps, perhaps. But um, I do think that we need to sort out a fair amount right now and see what Arthur Smith wants to do, see how Arthur Smith assesses all of these people, both as skills and talents and personalities. Aditi, hypothetically, if I put a Steelers general manager hat on your head, and, oh, you, had love that, that. and you had that power, and the Kansas City Chiefs came calling when it was time to do these sorts of things and said, we'll dangle a third-round pick for Deontay Johnson, Ooh. what would you say to that? Ooh. I mean, their third round pick is really basically a fourth how about, round pick. Okay, how about a second? How about pick. their second? Oh, on that logic, upping the ante. On that logic, their second, Ballsy. which is more like the first pick of the third round. Well, I think any good general manager would have a real heart to heart with Deontay Johnson, see if he really actually wants to be here, get a strong feeling, to use my. Tomlin's line about volunteers and hostages. All due respect, I think if Get they said sense. we're trading you to the Chiefs, he would be he'd be like one of those clouds of dust in a wily e. coyote roadrunner thing. Uh, he would all meet me and he would be gone. He would be gone. Probably. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, sure. Yeah, I think he would be pretty happy with that arrangement for a year. But I do think that the value, you know, there is some sense of if a play no matter how talented a player is, no matter how talented a player is if he doesn't want to be there, if he's not happy, then that's when toxic things can happen. Yeah. And you're not getting the best of him anyway. Aditi, this is always fun. We'll talk again next week. You're the best. Thanks for having me. Wow, thank you. Aditi Kinkaball, everybody. She had thrown in an around. We could have started playing Karate Kid here. I'm just po- posting this right now. Malsey just gave an interesting hypothetical. The chief second-round pick for Deontay Johnson. Who says no? Okay. I think it's more likely the Chiefs would say no than the Steelers. Probably. They have MVS's number coming off the books. They just found Rasheed Rice in the draft. They probably are confident they can go back in and get someone else. Although, as I say that Although, out loud, Sky Moore was a pretty big disappointment. I loved Sky. Yes, Remember, he autographed those pictures for us. Yeah. He's a fan of the show. He's from here. 100%. We like him. I well, no, don't he going to thrive in that offense. Don't you think if you're Kansas City and – here, just quickly, can I do a one-minute – not even – if you're bidding for immortality going for three in a row next year, you've got Kelsey coming back, you've got Reed, you've got Rashi Rice, and he looks like he's going to be very good. Isn't it worth it with MVS's number coming off the books, which is like, I think, $11 million, that you bring in Deontay as a one-year mercenary? So a proven guy. It is time for the Dottie Football Debrief. The Debrief, February 21. 2024 uh looks like we have another nfl playoff game that will be streaming exclusive next season 
This was first reported by Joe Flint from the Wall Street Journal. Amazon Prime Video paying an estimated $120 million for exclusive rights to an NFL playoff game in the 2024 season. Do we know if it's Wild Card Weekend? So the the way that it the way that the article lays it out is that it would be the wild card game that Peacock got gotcha. basically this past year. I don't know if it means like Saturday night. I don't know if it means the specific time, but basically they were outbid by Peacock because Peacock and NBC bid $110 million for that game. There's something very interesting about the way that people react to the sporting events getting put on streaming because we all spend a boatload on streaming and we seem to be fine with it when it comes to binge watching our shows Mm -hmm. and the movies that we want to watch. But as soon as a sporting event we like gets put on streaming, it's a bridge too far. Well, you know, it is crossing a Rubicon that has everybody freaking out. Two things. People go doomerism immediately. Like they're going to put the Super Bowl on streaming one of these days. We'll all be long dead if that actually gets to that point. Two... And there's an unsettling thought. Pony, I'm saying it will not happy, happen for like eight years. We're all going to be like Air Bud. Oh, man. Here you go again. Don't do Donnie that. has this weird fixation with pets and animals and movies, and he watches that. I'm back not the only like, one that brings it no, up. No, I bring you it bring up it up too. a lot. You're like, man, that dog's been dead. Butkus has been dead for 50 years. I, I bring it up, too. I think about it all the time, and it bums me out. My mom was talking about the Great Dane she grew up with. They named it Tiny, and it was 14 when Man, it Cuff died. and Link from Rocky have been dead for about 30 years, those <laughs> Actually, th- those, they're probably still alive. Turtles live like 200 years. Yeah, actually, there are turtles <laughs> that are, were alive, I think, well back into the 1800s that are alive today. Is there a turtle that's alive right now that was around for George Washington's I presidency? Think. No way. Oldest living <laughs> turtle. Is there a turtle right John, now listening here, it to has the a show? Name, yeah. If you're within the sound of my voice, give us a call, 412. No, Jonathan, the Seychelles, I think that's what it's called. It's like an island country off of uh, Africa. Mm-hmm. Celebrated in December his 191st birthday. <laughs> he is a giant tortoise. And apparently, I think he still gets it in. What? Still procreating. For having sex? I think. Are you like them out He there, might huh? be. He lives on, like, official grounds in this country. Turtle it's, Viagra. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a country in the Indian Ocean. It's a French like French speaking country off the coast of Africa. Jonathan, I bet you Jonathan gets more money spent on him to take care of him every year than I do. Speaking of old things that look good, Malsey, this is right up your alley. That's why I'm bringing it up. Okay. Did you see that Christy Brinkley turned seventy, oh. and she went to social media and in a and instantly posted a picture of herself in bra. Took the shirt off and just said, hey, I'm 70. Man, she looks fantastic. <laughs> she does. I have it right now. She looks fantastic, man. What do you want me to do? Malsey's got this kink for old ladies. It's un- it's uncanny. I mean, I, I don't have the picture pulled up, but I, I am familiar with who we're talking about. She, now, she's had a lot of work done on her face, too, though, and I don't understand it. Like, she's in shape. She looks great. But, like, why did she eat? So somebody passed along. She kind of looks like the Joker in the face. So a friend, oh, that's not good. So a friend passed along that picture and was like, what do you think? I said, looks good. And it was <laughs> it, it was a link to a New York Post article. Of course on it, it of was. Course. Strips down to her bra. She so, celebrates turning 70. So here's the funny thing. The article that was linked to it, like you'll also like, is the following. New York City men paying plastic surgeons $5,000 for almond-shaped nipples. 
almond? Like David Beckham. Plastic surgeons, quote, it's a growing trend. They all want Beckham's nips. What? People got too much money. And why are... Here's every He's got time. small nipples, and they're apparently... Almond-shaped. Yeah, nice... Think of that almond. Okay, but here... Think about those little Stop. roasted almonds that you bring in, and that's Beckham's uh, nipple. Stop for a People second. People want to pay money for them. Stop look for a like second. That. They don't want those big silver dollar ones anymore. <laughs> Wait, the silver dollar ones were in fashion for a time? Just give me those big Ritz crack... Doc, give me a pair of I'll Ritz crackers what, on these male hooters. I got some disposable income. I'm living... Uh, you can, you guys can say you're full of, you know what, with the blue collar talk. If I go and have plastic surgery on my nipples. If here, I go and do that, you guys, I'm giving you a license to make fun of me until the cows come home. Here is here is what I genuinely think when I see a story like the nipple story there. I think to myself, how did it come? Like, obviously, there are lots of pictures of David Beckham with his shirt off, right? Who was the first dude who looked at that and said, you know what? Those nipples are goals. Tremendous point. It's just like... It just, it's such it, a random thing to it's, want. It's the nipple equivalent of going to the hairdresser or barber and showing a picture of someone's hair and saying, see that? Give, Give me, me that haircut. Right. So somebody see put, these nipples? I want those. Somebody zooms in on one of David Beckham's pecs and goes, Give me the Beckhams. Did you have any kind of like nipple um, self-consciousness when you posted your... Your uh, awaken before and after pictures, Donnie? No, I did not. I think I think mine are relatively normal. Some, I would like to think so. Because some people some people have um, fear of criticism for what for nipples. You really? know, doesn't Starkey? He'll whip that shirt off and. <laughs> yes, he will. Actually, he absolutely will. It's so weird. Yeah. Like he's almost looking. At least he used to for years. Maybe he's calmed down, but. He used to look, look for, for excuses. excuses to take he, his shirt off in studio. He would do the quiz show with me, and when he would win, he'd go, Aah! and then the shirt was off. We would because we would put the we would put the quiz show on Periscope. Remember that way back when that app? It was like the Twitter oh, yeah. native video thing. And you had to put a disclaimer out that no, Joe was so going to strip down. So I, NC seventeen. I was like. There was one of them that he won, and then you can just hear me in the background as the camera pans to him going, oh, no, not this again, and it's him whipping his shirt around. I think I have a little bit of nipple self-consciousness, very small nipples and not almond-shaped. I'm only halfway to a Beckham. See, I think I'm on my way to man-boob status. Now that I think about it, I take back what I said about plastic surgery. I might need a reduction. Like The Rock had when he not, dropped the belt to Mankind. Not new nipples, but at some point I might go the reduction route. Well, I mean, if you keep meeting with that personal trainer, you don't have to worry about I know, it. But, Buff uh, it up a little say, bit. Nah, you say that, but look, even The Rock was buff. He still, there's only so much you can do. Um, You actually write about that, I think, Marlon Bird, same thing. Oh, yeah. I needed Definitely. breast reduction surgery. Um, I, I For some reason, I just don't picture you cans. in the same vein as... <laughs> I don't. I don't picture Andrew Check Filipponi. out the cans on Marlin Bird. Look we at those have, melons on Marlin. We have Andrew Filipponi, Marlin Bird, The Rock. Which one of these is not like the other? By the way, most famous and funniest line ever uttered about nipples by Robert De Niro. I've got nipples, Greg. Can, Can you, you milk, milk me? me? Eh? Is that Meet the Parents one or is that the second? That's one? Meet the Parents That's one, which That's is a all classic. You need to see. Uh, what was? Where did this segment start? I had one of those out of body experiences where. Fan but I was going to say something. Amazon that was Prime Video is streaming an oh, NFL yeah. playoff game. We don't have time. Fan I'll say it to you boys off the air then. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevy Low, 41 degrees. So I know everyone isn't interested in the Justin Fields idea, but aren't you a little bit curious? ESPN, one of their insiders said, this is what the Steelers would need to give up 
to get Justin Fields. And don't you – they always say GMs, they don't hang up. You answer every call. So I'm going to give you what ESPN thinks the Steelers would have to give up to Chicago to get Fields, and you tell me if that sounds fair or not. Next. Calling around, it seems like a second rounder is about the best they're going to do. I mean, if they can get multiple teams interested, you know, maybe you can yeah. get a little bit more. But I think if they can get a two for him, that, then that would probably work or a package built around that, depending on where in the second round the pick would land. But I do think it's important. I don't think the Bears are, would be dumping Justin Fields for the sake of dumping him. If they didn't have the one pick, yeah. right. I, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. Yeah, they- 50-minute mark brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Peters celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. We did not ignore the Penguins today. We opened with them. You can go back and listen to that once the show was done on our podcast page. Plus, we reacted to much of what Kyle Dubas said at his uh, press conference, uh, a meeting with reporters with the trade deadline now not that far off uh, for them as they continue to struggle and uh, hemorrhage points here in these games. That voice you heard was Dan Graziano from ESPN on what the asking price is for Justin Fields. And Fields talked today on Amon Ross St. Brown's podcast. I didn't know Amon Ross St. Brown had a podcast, and I didn't He's think got he one with his brother, Equiminius St. Brown. Who played with uh, Fields in Chicago. So there, I get, there's the connection right there. Thank you, Malsey. So we do have some of that to get to in a second here. I want to start, though, with what ESPN Field Yates said. This is what the Steelers would have to give up to get Fields. This is what he thinks it would take. So, look, this might be not on the table for the Steelers, but put your GM cap on, pretend you're Omar Khan and you're running the Steelers, and you guys can tell me if you think that this is fair, too rich, uh, a steal, etc., The Steelers' 2024 second-round pick, which is the 51st overall pick, and their fourth-round pick for Justin Fields. A second and a fourth. Um, What do you think? Here's how my brain works, and this is the sign of a diseased, very stupid brain. (laughs) Okay. The fourth rounder should not be that big of a consideration here. Pick 54 in my brain, I'm like, all pick right. Pick 51. F- you said 54. Did I? Yeah. Pick so 51. 51. Even then, pick 51, that acquisition cost on a guy who I know has a higher ceiling than anybody that's played the position here in a while, fine. I like Mentally, I had already prepared myself that it would be their second round pick. And I'd think to myself, it's not their first round pick. For whatever reason, the inclusion of a fourth rounder like annoys the hell out of me. I don't know why. I'd still do that deal, but my brain is more hung up on the fourth rounder, like the idea that I've got to give up two picks to get Justin and Fields. They're both in this draft. It's not spread out like a one fourth of them rounder is a next year is like worth more like a fifth rounder this year. That's always the rule. Next year's draft picks are all like subtract or uh, add one round to them. If it's a 2025 fourth, it's really a fifth in this year's draft. I mean, they just picked Nick Herbig in the fourth round, so they did get a, a guy that I think will right. be a solid player with a pick there. I, it's so not a I don't know why insignificant throwaway pick. I, I just don't know why be. that fourth rounder bugs me so much. But I'd still do it because I still think you are purchasing a worthwhile lottery ticket there for far less draft for far less draft capital. Excuse me. Uh, than it would cost you to move up to actually draft one of this year's guys. 
cost you way more than that. 412-928-9370, what do you think? The Steelers second and a fourth for Justin Fields. Would you make that trade? 412-928-9370. How about you, Donnie? No, not not the way that it's presented. I would try to push back and keep negotiating. I know they have back-to-back picks in that fourth round. I think it's 119 and 120, so that would be one of the picks that is in question here. Oh, the Steelers have two fourth-round picks. Yes, and they're back-to-back. Are they? Do they have a pick? Have they lost a pick in next year in this draft? I'm pretty sure it's round five. They don't have a pick. Okay, so they have first. So that so they have two fourths because they don't have a fifth. Okay. Yeah, and there it's. I think it's one nineteen and one twenty. Well, does that they change go, your they mind? They go twenty fifty one eighty four one twenty one twenty one. Then it jumps do, to one ninety seven two thirty. Do you feel better about it knowing that they've got two fourths? I got here. You know what? This is my revised trade proposal. Second and a fourth for Justin Fields in your fifth. Yeah, I would want to pick back. Give me fill in that fifth round pick blank for me, Chicago. What if they say no? Then you're out. That's a negotiation. <laughs> and we can talk a little but bit. But it still sounds at first blush like you're not crazy about this trade offer. I just, I don't know why. Is the I want to be very here. clear here. I'm fighting my own brain and trying to, like, tell myself that I'm being irrational. Just the idea of two picks for this guy when it seems like most of the reporting leading up to this point has been, if you've got a second, there's a good chance you can get this deal done with just a second round pick. The idea of adding in another one, another pick to the deal for them, it's just well, the it's a head scratcher is- because the guy you've said this many times. If they didn't have the first overall pick or they weren't picking where they are, they wouldn't be trading him. They feel better about him than most teams do that are trading their their previous franchise quarterback like this. Yeah, it's still a guy that is hardly as much as he's got all the athletic gifts in the world. He is hardly a sure thing to ever be an upper echelon player, and I say that as somebody that thinks he could be great. Hardly a guarantee. If he was a straight-up guarantee, they would be swapping that number one pick for as many other firsts and seconds as they could get for it. So I don't think I'd want to do it either. And, I, and I'm I'm a pretty staunch Fields supporter and somebody that is extremely interested in him and would relish the chance to watch him play here and be this dynamic athlete and dual-threat quarterback. But I'm also not so convinced that I would immediately pick up the fifth-year option and commit to Fields for two years. I am in a prove-it mode with him. And if he plays so great that it costs me more, like Flacco when he won the Super Bowl in Baltimore and it becomes more expensive, I'll live with that. Mm-hmm. It's like when it's like when they would have, I think Bud Dupree had his fifth-year option declined and he then he broke played out so well and they had to franchise tag him and ended up being more expensive. But you wanted to see the guy have the big breakout year. That's how I feel about Fields. It was a hard question, as a matter of fact. He doesn't get asked too many of those. Johnny Sins today. Hard question. And Dulac's chat said, hello, Jerry. Hard question here. What do you think is the most the Steelers would give up in draft picks to get Fields? Dulac's response. Maybe just a number three. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. The the only thing that makes me pause here is, like, let's say Atlanta wants Fields. If they traded their third, which mm-hmm. is better than the Steelers, I think they have their third-round pick, mm-hmm. and I didn't get Fields because I was unwilling to match that asking price, I would be pissed. Then you've got to actually play ball a little bit. Yeah. 
Like, at the end of the day, if they gave up a second and a fourth for Fields, I would not be thrilled with how much they had to how much they had to you'd have to to know that somebody else was in the bidding with them well yeah and but i also feel like if they give up this much they have to commit to the fifth to the fifth year option and i really don't want to do that yet most people i i will say not that you're on an island but a lot of people i have seen talking about this outside of our show seem to feel like yes that that is a fait accompli situation that you trade for him you are picking up the fifth year option i don't think it is if it's a third because I see third-round picks. Emmanuel Sanders got traded for a third-round pick as a rental player to help the 49ers win a Super Bowl. We see deals like that happen in season in the NFL when you're not even getting a guy for a full season. You're just trying for the stretch run to win something significant. Yep. Like the third-round pick, they've drafted the Alex Highsmith's a third-round pick. But to take a flyer on a quarterback, I'm cool with that. And best-case scenario, you end up paying them more because you found your guy. You got your guy, and you're not getting as big of a bargain, but, like, if it doesn't work, if Fields is lousy here in this offense, and he doesn't figure it out, mm. and now I've got to pay him all that money for 2025, plus I've got Kenny still here, I mean, that's a real bad – that's a – you think this is bad? That's really effing bad if it plays out that way. I will say this, though. I will say this. Um, The idea of paying him a fifth-year option – Having to do that, even though he's he wasn't good the first year, unless he's like so bad that we're wondering if he'll even latch on with another team. Basically, worse than Pickett's been, just atrocious. I would almost, if I've sat through two years of Kenny Pickett, not performing up to snuff, really, not like showing major growth individually as a player. I would feel like I would have the patience to at least be willing to watch year two of Justin Fields. Really? Yes. Because I also know that everything I've read about the 2025 quarterback crop in the draft is underwhelming. Not good. Not it, This year's a bumper crop. Next, What is the opposite of a bumper crop? Donnie, you're from Westmoreland County. Do you know? I'm not a crop guy. I let my blue-collar friends handle that part. But you are blue-collar. I know, but I I have my own blue-collar oh, they're specialties. Oh, bl- they're bluer-collar. Well, they're more agricultural blue-collar. Oh. There's industrial and agricultural, Chris. What about the industrial agricultural complex? Is that really a thing? Yeah. I know that there's a military industrial compact complex. Well, there's those big Dwight Eisenhower warned far- against that. Corporate farms, Chaluch. He also invented the interstate highway system. And he also loved golf. He did. He very much did. Donnie, did he get drafted onto your president basketball teams, Dwight Eisenhower? Great floor no, general. No, but I, I did Could've consider him. Could have been a good him. point guard. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, went, I went with the, the, the top general. I went with GW there. I mean, don't you think, though, that Eisenhower's just washing GW in tactics? Well, see, I, I would have thought that that would have been Ulysses an issue. Ulysses S. Grant? Let's not sleep on him. Great I, I considered him, too. Unconditional surrender Grant. Not great cardio with all the cigar smoking, but, though. But I had a horrible cigar addiction. Yes, he did. But Debilitating. But little Austin, he, he, he came back at me with five foot three James Madison, who was a terrible athlete. I was fine there. He ain't going to guard George Washington. I'll tell you what, Amanda usually does not like the history stuff. But on President's Day night, because there really was not a lot of great sports menu, we watched a couple of uh, Lincoln documentaries. And uh, I'll tell you, she was riveted by the Mary Lincoln stuff. We've gone over some of it before, but Mary Lincoln also just spent money like crazy. Yeah. And they said that, you know, on dresses and whatnot, that the debt she compiled as First Lady would be the equivalent of like $5 million in debt today. 
Itchy just hid it from Abe. Honest Abe and dishonest Mary. <laughs> Pretty much. Have I ever Opposites told you guys attract. I had a high school teacher? Looked just like Mary Lincoln? No, but but she... Looked just like Abe Lincoln? She loved Abe Lincoln so much that she would, like, cry whenever she had to talk about him. What? Yeah, I mean, n- nice teacher. N- nice teacher and all. Okay. Uh, Mrs. Manning. So, Mrs. Manning. But, oh, you're but airing her out here. I actually had... I had her the year that the Lincoln movie with Daniel Day-Lewis came out, like 2012. Yeah. Okay. And... She told us like after the weekend it came out, and she was like, "I I judge a good Lincoln movie by by the amount I cry, by how emotional." Did she I cry get. a lot at that? How many one? friggin' Lincoln movies are there? Did she Did ever she see Ampr- Abraham Lincoln Vampires? <laughs> I was just Hunters? gonna ask that. I, I think that was a, like after I graduated, but I hope so. No, that get, this gets me back to my issue with Oppenheimer. If you can make a movie about Lincoln in two and a half hours, you can make a movie about I, friggin' Oppenheimer in less than three. I agree. Come on now. Well, right. wait, actually, How much was the Passion of the Christ? Did that go three hours? We're talking about Jesus here. We can get a movie for him down to a manageable two. Well, we wait don't a minute. need three on Oppenheimer. I'm actually calling a timeout on myself here. I would actually argue that Oppenheimer was probably more influential to the course of world events than Abraham Lincoln. He developed the thing that gives us the capacity to blow ourselves up. Prometheus. Right. Wow. Very impressive. You ever see that movie? It's like supposed to be a quasi prequel to Aliens. Really messed up movie. I'm not, I'm, I've seen I've seen some of the. Paul, I think you would like it. It's Paul more Reiser a character in the study. Aliens movie. Is it, did you know that? I think you'd like Prometheus. Yeah, you I know, did that, know that. Donnie Paul Reiser's got a big spot in that movie. Ellen Ripley, best female hero, best uh, heroine in movie history. What I mean, Ripley's here? a real we were badass. We're supposed to be talking about Justin Fields. Now we're down to Aliens rabbit hole. I hate you guys. Well, you're the one who said Prometheus. I did. So Mrs. Manning, she cried so much at Lincoln, it just broke her heart, huh? Yeah, I, I, I don't She's really a big know. Daniel Day-Lewis fan? Felt no, like... no, she was just that big of an Abe Lincoln fan. Had there been any movies about Booth? Now there's a character study that could be J-W-B. done. JWB. <laughs> Rob Schneider is John <laughs> Wilkes Booth. I mean, He that, was hot on the trot after. That guy was, as a, as a matter of fact, he was actually a very good actor. Wouldn't that be like Tom John Cruise today assassinating the president and then going on the run? I'm ser- I'm like obviously it's a theater act. He was an actor of 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 much renown. Booth. Right. So that'd be like Clooney or Cruz or one yeah, of the big actors of today. Yeah, how do you think he could afford to sit up in the booth with him? And the other thing is I think he like jumped on he stage. Broke, he broke he did and he broke his, or hurt his ankle real bad. Bad high ankles, the dreaded high ankle sprain when you're running from the feds. I mean, what a brash, what a what a what an obnoxious the, move. The spur of his like boot that he was wearing caught on like the um, You're supposed the, to get in and get out. Caught the bunting. But he had to brag about it, the SOB. So he he shoots. Yep. Spur catches on like the bunting or whatever, the curtains of Ford's Theater. He lands more awkwardly than he would think. Cause I think he had to jump no matter what. Yeah. Does his big six semper tyrannus. Yeah. And then gets on a horse and gets out of Dodge. Yep. Now how come that one never gets talked about as much as the like obviously the the, the Kennedy one has huge conspiracy around it but we never really hear anything think, with because well, they pretty... found old Wilkes Booth and then they killed him they well, hung him but they also no they did Hang not right, no, all right, no, Johnny right. you did no, it no it was a shootout right yeah they set his barn on that's he right was in a barn they set that's it on right, fire right. smoked him out no, of there his and somebody co- shot him his co-conspirators got hanged yeah well the co-conspirators I think one of them the one of them got very scared they got chicken over it he was supposed to go take Johnson out the vice president. And he couldn't go through with it. I there was a woman had... who was one of the co-conspirators too. I, I think, think she, she like. I think she. Yeah, she was the. Um, again, and they killed her dead. I'm telling you, not that it's a great subject or anything, but we've had JFK movies. I'm just surprised with everything. We're making all these 
we're, I mean, we're making all these movies again and again. We got to make Twister again for crying out loud. How Wait about some minute. original movie? Here, there's another one I want to know. Twister 2. It looked the same exact thing. Did you see the preview for that during the Super Bowl? Let Bill Paxton rest. I mean, come on. Wait, didn't uh, didn't McKinley... Is Helen Hunt in that movie? Hold on. Here's the, the presidential assassination we need to know about. Didn't McKinley get killed under very weird circumstances? Like yeah, he his, ate a bowl of never, cherries his and never stuff. gets discussed. They think his they didn't make a death mask for him because they do that for all the presidents, and they didn't make one because his face was in this horrible grimace, leading people to think his <laughs> wife poisoned him. Don't make me laugh about that. <laughs> I'm dead serious, yeah, man. Yeah, don't make me laugh. What? Do you I think I'm being why. Grimace the McDonald's character? Why, He's a big purple guy? Grimace made me chuckle. Because <laughs> you're thinking of a president like the guy who sold french fries to kids. Yeah, you're right. Coming up in 15 minutes, we have another edition of PM Team Name That Tune. And this week you'll be playing for two tickets to see a heavy metal band at PPG Paints Arena this weekend. So looking for something to do in town this weekend. Heavy metal your thing. You got to name that tune with us in 15 minutes. Uh, we touched on this uh, a little bit with Aditi, and then, Mulsey, you brought up the hypothetical of trading Deontay Johnson to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Sarah J asked Jerry Dulac today, Jerry, your colleagues at the PG have said they don't think a Deontay Johnson extension is likely. If that's the case, why not trade him this offseason? To which Dulac replied, I tend to agree. So let's ask... Our own Jeff Hathorne, our Steelers insider from 93.7thefan.com. The same question Sarah J. asked Jerry Dulac. Uh, Jeff, why not trade Deontay Johnson this offseason? Uh-oh. Man, right underwater for his phone. Jeff, you there? Uh-oh. Hello, Jeff. Let's try you again. You got me, boy. Oh, there yeah, we, we hey, you. whoa, there we go. All right. Could you hear any um, of the questions? Oh, no, I heard it all. That's okay. why I was a little surprised when you guys couldn't hear me. Um, it's an, I, would you explore it? Sure you would. But what is the return for Deontay Johnson? I, is it going to be enough where you think you could find – you can have someone of that – I know he gets maligned, but have someone who's had a 1,000-yard season that could be a, a fairly reliable third-down receiver you, if you – as long as you could find that within your constraints uh, and that there's a market where you think you're getting something that's of more value than what Deontay is in your quarterback's make-or-break year, I think you can explore it. I, don't, I just don't know if they're going to find it. Well, Jeff, let me hu- humor me with this theoretical then to take this step one, one further down the path. You trade him. Let's just say the Chiefs are looking at a three-peat and they're willing to pay a bit of a premium. They're willing to give you pick 64 for him which is functionally a third rounder but it's their second okay and then this is an offense that we hear about they love the running backs they love the tight end in the arthur smith offense almost like there's not enough mouths or not enough room really for two wide receivers that want the ball a ton you roll with pickens you probably draft a guy in the first four rounds in the first 120 or 121 picks uh which is where your second fourth rounder is and then you have a clear pecking order. Pickens is the man at wide receiver. Draft pick. Calvin Austin, I suppose. Maybe Oof. a mid maybe a mid-priced free agent. How about Tyler Boyd? Sure, Tyler Boyd. Well then then you're back to you have two guys who probably want the ball a lot, but sure, just for argument's sake. But I mean sake. Boyd played in an offense where he was the third option. And, and he was willing to. to yeah. It. Yeah. 
So I, the reason I, I brought it up in part, Jeff, is because this offense doesn't seem like it has designs on making sure two wide receivers are very well fed, given Arthur Smith's track record. Uh, agreed, because when you do look at the numbers, that that is a fair statement. Um, and they, he does like the tight ends. Uh, however, when you look at the lack of depth in that receiving room, you would have to supplement that with a Tyler Boyd type because, I mean, you, had, you could get a, a third-round draft pick, but you can't. there's no guarantees that that player is going to going to produce to a level that's, you know, or a late second that will produce to the level of a Deontay Johnson. Again, I, I, I hear the criticisms. I know it, but guy's been productive in this league, and this is a huge year for your quarterback. Jeff, um, do you think he'll want to come have back to know here? That. I mean, he knows he's not going to get an extension from the Steelers. Do you think he's going to want to play here if it's Kenny Pickett and Ryan Tannehill, who are the two quarterbacks on their roster, given what he said about Mason Rudolph? You know, it's a great question. Um, you know, we saw a lot, what, summer previously with the, the hold-in, but he did show up to camp. I think he would play, but would he want to sign an extension? No. But I do think he would play, and I think he would Jeff, I don't think they want forward. to sign him to an extension either. No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but as far as this year, would he come and would he? I think either side wants an extension at this point. I say no. All right, I'm going to give you a quarterback. You tell me the percentage chance he's on the Steelers roster when the season starts. Kirk Cousins. Zero. Russell Wilson. Fifteen. Justin Fields. Ten. Ryan Tannehill. Fifty. Five-zero. Five-zero. Jimmy Garoppolo. What was, that? Uh, what was that noise you made there? I see. I, I mean, the thought of Jimmy Garoppolo being a potential quarterback for it just makes my Malsy's stomach. Malsey's excited turn. because he's very uh, turned on by Jimmy G. He finds him very handsome and dreamy. <laughs> well, apparently, it's you know, there's, he's been helping himself to that extent. Uh, I would say <laughs> like five percent. Five. Um, Rudolph. Ten. Man, you gave Russell Wilson a better shot of being here than. Mason Rudolph. I, that is fascinating I don't, I, to me. I don't buy I, – I absolutely buy the – if there's already people questioning it in the room and you're going forward with Kenny Pickett being your guy, why would you bring in someone that's immediately going to cause some type of dissension uh, within that locker room? All right, Jeff, good stuff. Anything else, Chris? Well, I, I thought since Jeff was out there at Kyle Dubas, uh, his biggest takeaway from that – actually, Jeff, I'm just going to ask you a hockey question in general. It's not Dubas-related. How much of a problem is Mike Sullivan for this hockey team right now? I think the I think the hockey team is more the problem than Mike Sullivan. Um, I, I think they're they're not executing. They're taking they're, they're taking shifts off. They're taking periods off. Ultimately, it comes down on the head coach. And is there a concern that maybe they're not listening to them? Yes, but I think the bigger concern is is these guys just not performing than it is, you know, the coaching staff and. To the point about Dubas, Dubas said the same thing. Like, listen, Mike Sullivan's not going anywhere. We can all – anybody could wish it, think it. It's not happening. He will be the coach this year and starting next year. And then, you know, unless there's some horrid start, he's going to be the guy going forward. All right, Jeff, good stuff. We'll talk again. 
Like, it's interesting. You know, I look at some of the things Dulac writes, and I feel like our opinions on the Steelers and their quarterbacks are pretty divergent. I understand that. Requirement of the job. Uh we really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.